Welcome to episode one of the Defining Moments podcast, a podcast where we listen to the untold stories of everyday people and the moments that change the trajectory of their life. In this episode, I interview Angel Chavez, a former drug dealer and tattoo artist who currently is a martial arts practitioner and instructor at 10th Planet Oakland. In this episode, we cover topics such as addiction, breakups, near-death experiences, fighting, being racially profiled, our rights in America, giving up on life, and the joy of doing laundry. It's a long episode, but Angel has decided to share with us vulnerable personal stories that are amazing. And I hope you listen to the entire episode. Thank you. They had hit Mike up. They said, hey, we're doing a movie. We need some, some action stunt guys mm-hmm. or martial artists to be extras in this movie. Uh, we ended up being stunt coordinators. You know who Corbin is? He's a brown belt? No. Oh, uh, I met him, but I don't oh, I really do. know. He was in the movie, too. So the, wow. movie, the movie was about, it was supposedly based on this true story where these uh, fucking Nazi dudes, hipster dudes, took over these bars or these clubs out in Berkeley, right? You know the Gilman? Yeah. You ever heard of the Gilman? The Gilman is it's like bo- this popular club out there in, in Berkeley. So uh, Is it on, uh, do you know if Ashby, it's on? Ashby, I think it's, or oh, Ashby, I think. Okay. Like and uh, they rented a building in Oakland mm. and made it look just like the actual, uh, actual fucking building in Berkeley. Yeah, so we were doing all these stunts. Corbin had to shave his head and be a Nazi. He had to be a skinhead and shit. <laughs> we were doing stunts with him. It was funny. It was funny as shit. But it's hard. Making movies is hard. Being, even being, well, I was an action extra, which means I was in the action. We were doing the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. We are using cables and harnesses and shit. People getting fucking thrown into the bars and shit. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a cool experience. And uh, late hours. Started working out like, Three in the afternoon, you get out five o'clock the next morning. Wow. <laughs> yes, all night. Yet. They would feed you and shit. They'd shuttle you to these little restaurants and they'd have food all ready for you and shit. But then they're fucking there till five in the morning, six in the morning sometimes. Dude. So you were an extra on this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on camera is, a couple of is, times. Is, did it ever release? It's going to be released this year. Well, the, they said it was going to be this coming year. Yeah. Because they're still shooting. It was uh, the dude from. Um, Pascal, Pedro Pascal or something. He's oh, in that movie. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks' daughter is in the movie. Um, I see. So you guys you guys are shooting some scenes that are... For the fight, fight, fight parts. But not related to the these, these big stars. They're like in other parts of the movie, but you guys are... They're more in the dialogue and the drama and the, the lines and shit. Yeah, so you don't, you don't have any... They're not in the location that you are. Like, yeah, yeah, some of them were. Some oh, of them so you, were. You, yeah. you, they would have to do dialogue in some of the locations that we were at. So you got to see Pedro Pascal? No, I didn't see him. I didn't see him. Uh, Tom Hanks' daughter, I seen her walking around. Okay. She was like a producer, uh, a, 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 something producer or some shit. Executive Ex- producer, okay. yeah. Wow. Um, and how did, how did they um, choose you? How did you get this role? They asked Mike. They were like, hey, you know any guys that would be interested? So Mike asked everybody in the gym, I think. Wow. And I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. I had experience. I've done a couple of other action scenes. Mm. A couple of, I mean, I'm, I'm not a movie star, but I've done some movies. You know, yeah. It's just a little, it's a way to make some money. Yeah. Right? And you get your little credit or whatever, and it's fun. I mean, I've, I've been called to sets where 
the director, whether it's music video or a movie or a miniseries or whatever, some of them are fucking assholes. Some of the crew are fucking assholes. Some of the other co-stars, or co-actors, mm. they're assholes. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't even want to deal with this shit. I'll just leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was cool, but nah. But then there are other people who don't have a mu- budget. They don't have money. They're doing this shit on their own. Mm. They ask, hey, man, can you help out? And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. They'll buy you lunch or whatever. They'll compensate you some way. And um, those are cool people to work with. But there are some good people and there's some bad people. And for the bad people, I just don't even fuck with it. I don't, I'm not trying to be a movie star, but I'll have fun trying to play in your movie, right? Fuck it, why not, right? <laughs> it's fun. I had missed a whole month, a whole month of teaching kids class. Oh, my God, it was terrible. And I was, you know, uh, Merritt College? No, Laney College, mm-hmm. right? That's where we were. We were, uh, we were all, that was the, the headquarters. We were all the trailers were, all the makeup was, all the, 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 wardrobe everything was there they had all these big huge trailers and you go there and you check in you have to get covid tested and uh they dress you for your wardrobe to make sure you're wearing the same shit that you were wearing in the last scene Mm -hmm. right for continuity yeah and i was like the exit before the gym so on my way to to go see the move to go start working on this movie the next exit on the freeway was where the gym was. So it was like literally like five minutes away from where I was at. So did you, so you feel guilt, guilty about <laughs> oh it? Oh my God, I felt terrible. I felt terrible. So did you like just say, hey, it was supposed to be two weeks. Okay. And it'll be in a month, right? They were like, oh, okay, well we, your two weeks is over, yeah. but, but we like to use you for some more, some more scenes. If that, you know, but at least they paid you more. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they paid me more. Was it good money or? Oh, it was good money. Good it money. was good money. But it was really hard to be away from the kids. Mm. I, one of the last days, I didn't see him for a month, three and a half weeks. And one of the last days for our shoot, I was like, man, fuck that. I'm going to go see these kids. <laughs> right? They're going to have to wait for me. Fuck this shit. So I stopped at the gym and all the kids ran up. Coach Angel, like 10 of them. They all just ran up and hugged me. And I was like, son of a bitch. This is what it's all about. When are you coming back? I'm like, I'll be back. This is the last day. I promise. I promise. This is the last day. But it was, it was a fucking, it was an experience. It made me realize how much I've really worked to these kids. Mm. You know what I mean? I thought I was just some dude. I'm a blue belt. Yeah. I'm just a blue belt. <laughs> I got black belts and brown belts teaching. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Right. Yeah. But it's obvious. You walk into that kid's class. It's obvious who all the kids look up to. They look up to me. Yeah. They listen to Coach D. Yeah. They listen to Coach Corbin. Yeah. But they're fucking. I have this connection yeah. with them that yeah. they don't. Yeah. Well, and, and and I think that's the thing about kids is like. The kids are not, they're not there to to be the best at jujitsu, right? No. No. Right. They're there. They're there. Um, they're there to I think experience the community. Um, to. To, to get to get approval of the adults, I think, right? A lot of times we're looking to, um, you know, yeah, like the um, notice me senpai. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. But all I'm trying to say is like, you know, like the, I, well, I, I think the blue belt, black belt, like I think that stuff matters less to them. I think it's more, which is, which is the funny thing about, I think adults is like when we become adults, 
we're looking at people's titles and statuses and you you yeah. i think it helps you decide where you are on the food chain when you're a white belt you know you're nowhere near the top of the food chain mm -hmm. when you're a blue belt you're still nowhere near the top of the food chain, but at least you understand that there's a food chain, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? So, as kids, I think they don't really look at it that way. They just look at it as we're doing something fun, uh, we're learning martial arts, and they're, a lot of those uh, kids, their, their classmates are also <clears throat> in, in the jujitsu program with them. So, they see each other after school. Mm -hmm. and jujitsu um and i think they're just trying to understand where other options in their life are you got math you got english you got mm -hmm. science you got history you got mm -hmm. all, what's jujitsu let's go find out you know and they get to let out all this energy yeah. i mean we, we make them work we make them sweat um we have to it's part of Probably what the parents want. They want their kids to come home, eat, shower, and go to sleep. They want them to be wore out. Yeah. So we try to wear them out, right? We definitely put them through the ringer. Um, but for them, I think it's just mostly having fun. It's hard for, it's kind of hard to explain to them. I haven't told them flat out, we're teaching you how to fight. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've I, I wanted to say that so many times. But I don't think it's like proper to tell them, hey, we're teaching you how to fuck somebody up. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't think they understand that. I think if I do say that, yeah. it's probably gonna look at they're probably gonna look at it way differently. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. But I'm we are teaching them that what we're doing is dangerous. What you're doing can really hurt somebody. Yeah. And you have to be careful with your training partners. Right. Mm -hmm. We also teach them that if you come into an encounter where you have to use your self defense, first step you can first uh, uh, choice you can make is to run and get away from there. Yeah. If you can't run, use your training. Mm -hmm. You just have to use your training. Do you guys, um, are there techniques that you don't teach them because they're too dangerous or? <clears throat> um, there's still white belts, uh, three, four, five stripes, I mean, three, four stripes. And they, uh, we're not teaching them leg locks, heel hooks, or anything like that. We basically ran them through like chokes. And yeah, well, well, that's the ironic thing, right? Is that in 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 the competition world, you know, we don't let people play with heel hooks because you know you just you can injure people too fast. And but but the truth is that in wow, like like chokes in some ways are more dangerous than, than leg locks if you give it to the wrong person. Right. And, and I think that, um, you know, like when I was in middle school, you know, my, my brother's five years older than me. And, you know, so, you know, we're watching him and he, he had some wrestler friends and they're watching UFC. I started watching UFC and like, you know, we learned rear naked chokes. And when I was a kid, I had a, um, I don't know, I guess like, uh, in hindsight, kind of a hurt ego or whatever. And I was a small kid and I kind of wanted to, you know, I had some problems at home. And, and I think that I, I wanted to, um, for whatever reason, wanted to feel a sense of like power sometimes over right. other people. And so sometimes I would put people in a rear naked choke. I think, 
happened a couple times. One time, this uh, friend invited me to his church, and there was like, I don't know why, man. I there was something just not right with me, and I like put this guy in a minute choke for just just to do it for like five seconds, something like that. And he went out. No, he didn't go out. Oh. I, it, I don't even know if it was five seconds. And and back in those days, I don't know if my chokes were that good back then in the sense that, um, you know, I wasn't going elbow deep, mm-hmm. right? It was more like flat, which right. is like a, more of a <clears throat> trachea. trachea choke. And like the guy, the kid threw up. Oh. Yeah. And, um, you know, so then, you know, there's, it was a Korean church. So the, all these ajimas, like the ladies were like, what the hell? Like, who is this guy? And, but no one, like, you know, they actually didn't really, they didn't really even scold me. And, which is a surprising thing. And, and I think that they probably just didn't know what to do. Plus I'm like a new guy. They don't know me. And also it's church, you know, like, right. It's like, you got to forgive or I don't know, man. Right. Like I, I just got in trouble. I, yeah. Okay. I could have gotten in trouble. No, there are many times in my life I could have gotten in trouble. And I, and I think I, um, th- I think that was the only time I really choked someone. I, I think, um, well, that I can remember. I'd have to think about more. But um, in you know, in other ways, I used to do kung fu, and uh, you know, like th- there's just some dumb things that I that I did as a kid, like you know, just like leg kick someone, like dude, <laughs> that I just like God, it was just so dumb. Um, and those are the times where I just kind of really just like hurt someone for like no reason and then there's those other times where you know you kind of get in an ego battle with these other kids in school else, yeah. and it's like we're playing bloody knuckles sometimes yeah. you're going bodies bodies you're going yeah. bodies like in the locker like in the lockers <laughs> at my middle school and you just want you like you want people to watch because yeah. you're, you're like you know you're trying to show Look that tough I am. i'm tough yeah. and it was i think for me it was a thing of like hey i'm like like this really small kid in school right but i was like known to be able to hang with like these really big tough guys at school and um so i got into little scuffles with them nothing too violent and that's the that's the other interesting thing i think about um fights when you're with kids i think i think a lot of the parents think that the kids are like angry at each other or they're fighting because they're like they got beef but usually it's not trying to really prove that something. you're just trying to prove something yeah, yeah. and so um Anyway, yeah. So there, there was one time, in, even in middle school, where I, um, I, I was like, had this like fling. Well, I, I started dating this girl for a few months, and, um, you know, and and she was a senior in, in high school, and I was a, a freshman, and so <laughs> she was going off to college, and I was like, uh, you know, I was a naive young person, first girlfriend, whatever, and I was I was like trying to make it work, and. I'm going to drive to UCLA and <laughs> it was like, you know, you're just a little kid, you know? And, uh, but after like, you know, we like, you know, she realized it wasn't going to work out and totally understandable, but from my pr- perspective, I didn't understand. And, um, and so, so I started this little fight club at the park. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, God. It was like, Oh my God. It was like, um, I brought the <laughs> MMA gloves and I brought the, uh, and you know, I was just, Trying to organ like this is out here in Bay Area. No, I grew up in I grew up in Torrance in Southern California. So yeah, and uh, dude, I freaking uploaded these videos on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> and I like I had been taking a break from my kung fu studio, but I think my my master was kind of disappointed in me. Yeah, disappointed, and um, 
I don't know if I, I think I might have explained to her later, and she, um, I don't know, she maybe maybe understood. I mean, she had her her, her problems growing up too, but, um, you know, I was like kind of in that. You know, actually, what it was in hindsight was that I think what it was is that, um, you know, when you when you feel rejected or, you know, someone leaves you or something like that, um, you know, you're thinking like, how do I how do I get this person back? And and I think that my strategy has always been, well, let me do something impressive. Right. Right. And so. You know, I, I look at the, like, what are the things in my life that, or like, what are the skills that I have and the things that I can do that can make someone say, wow, right? And so, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like a, you know, yeah, this is, this was a, I think summer after ninth grade. So actually I, I was a, it was in high school. At the end of the day, it was an ego thing, trying to impress people. And, um, Anyway, so like I, I, uh, you know, I, we were sparring. I was sparring with this guy, and he was like, you know, I was probably like, probably like five four back then, or something. Probably Tiny. maybe less, five two or something. And I was like 90, 90 pounds. 95 pounds, something like that, between ninety and ninety five pounds. And I was fighting this guy who was like, he kind of been like 160, 160 probably, Damn. big guy. And I, I, um, you know, I could stand with him on the feet. I, I took him down. I finished him with an arm triangle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I still have that video, but on Facebook. Yeah, well, I, I deleted it, and um, and there's this whole story behind why why I deleted my Facebook too. But story for another time. Um, but anyway, the point was that yeah, you teach these kids these um, techniques, and I mean, you brought this up when we talked last time of like, you know, like. Yeah, you you can give uh, you you can make people dangerous, um, and if they're, I think the thing that I'm realizing is that that people people want to do the right thing most of the time, and what we don't realize is that is that um, there are just times there are just times in life that everyone goes through where you're not you're not in control of yourself. Yeah, and so so we have to kind of be mindful. That people will will hit those times in their life, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And instead of just always looking at people and going, "Hey, oh yeah, that's a nice guy. Oh, that guy wouldn't hurt anyone." It's like you have to think about in the long run. I think. No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I I strongly believe that everyone has some battles that we're all facing. I mean, it doesn't even it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many kids you have. It doesn't matter where you live. We all have mm. something that's uh, pulling you down or holding you down, whether it's mental, physical, emotional. Mm. There's just, that's the human experience, I think. I mean, if you were just, if you didn't feel anything ever, yeah, wouldn't that suck, all right? Yeah. Would, 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 I would rather feel some pain than feel nothing, right? Yeah. I'd rather feel some happiness. Everybody would rather feel happiness, but sometimes... In order to know what happiness is, you got to know what sadness is. Right? Yeah. You got to know what feeling good feels like, being healthy. Uh, but you got to understand what pain is. Mm -hmm. It's like my, my knee or my leg is fucked up right now. Mm -hmm. But when I feel better, <laughs> oh, man, am I going to feel better? <laughs> you know, 
So, you know, you'll have to just go go through these things. They're learning processes, they're growing processes. Um, and that's what, I, what I'm trying to teach these kids is that I mean, some of them have gotten injured, you know, and I tell them, like, it's just part of the game. It's part of the game. You're going to get yeah. mat burn. You're going to get, you know, a, a, sore, yeah. a sore muscle from an arm bar or mm -hmm. your neck's going to hurt because of your friend trying to choke you out. But those are just part of the things that come along with training jujitsu and other martial arts. Um, you're just going to have to learn how to manage those things. Mm -hmm. uh, getting rest, putting ice on it, putting a Band-Aid on it, whatever you got to do, you know. Um and for me, that's what it's teaching these kids is how to be accountable for all the things that they're learning. Because I think that's one of the things that nobody's really teaching anymore is accountability. Mm. I mean, you can teach construction, you can teach coding, you can teach all kinds of shit, but yeah. you can't teach accountability. I think. Well, what, is, what does that look like? How do you teach that? You know, for me, I try to explain to the kids, like, this is your gi. Mm. This is your rash guard. Mm. You got to wash it when you mm. get home. Mm. I tell them the steps to, to don't put it in the dryer. Let it air dry. You mm. know? Um, your mouth guard, you need to bring your mouth guard to class because mm. your teeth are going to get knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you have to make sure that you wear it. Right. When you come to class, make sure you have some water. Right. Mm. Those are just little basic things yeah. that a, an adult should know yeah. by the time you're 15, 16 years old, 18 years old, yeah. you should know that you have to keep your clothes clean. You have to take care of your, your mouth guard and just basic shit. Yeah. Brush your teeth. To, to me, to me, that seems like <clears throat> kind of a, um, on the border of, of responsibility and accountability because, because everybody has to, to do those things. What otherwise there's consequences like brush 100%. your teeth, brush your teeth and wash your stuff, be on time. Mm -hmm. But when I think of accountability, I think of, you know, hey, when, when you do the wrong thing, we as your friends are going to hold you, hold up, you to up to that. We're going to enforce the consequences yeah. so that you don't then have to face the accountability of like the law later. Yeah, we need to sit out of class sometimes. <laughs> you need to bring your mouth guard, you can't roll. <laughs> Sorry. You know, their kids, their, their teeth are going to fall out regardless. Yeah. But yeah. we teach them like, hey, you know what? Yeah. You bring your mouth guard. You know, and the parents are like, oh, I'll go home and get it. <laughs> go get it. <laughs> go get it. We just don't want the kids to get hurt. We had, we have a good track record of nobody getting seriously injured. So we're trying to keep it that way. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so how did, um, how did you get into jujitsu in the first place? And then how has jujitsu um, changed you? Well, I started looking into it in 2017. I was living in Stockton. Uh, the Diaz brothers had just opened up their gym. And uh, I was living in Stockton, working in Alameda every day. And I was trying to do murals out there in Stockton because Stockton is, if you've ever been there, it's, it's pretty ratchet out there, <laughs> yeah. you know? There's some places that I looked into where I could, you know, paint a nice mural on their wall and mm -hmm. help make the community look a little bit nicer, mm -hmm. you know, and make some money. How, yeah. how old were you at the time? 2017, I was... Six years ago? I was like 35. Okay. 35 years old. And I ran in, I went into the Diaz Brothers Jam and I talked to 
talked to Nick and I was like, hey man, I'm trying to do some jujitsu. I like to paint your gym, right? Mm -hmm. They have windows all around, except for their two back walls and they're all white. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I can paint some murals on the gym. You know, he's like, yeah, well, come throw me some ideas. Shoot me some ideas and Mm -hmm. we'll we'll go from there. So a few weeks went by, I, I just never got a hold of them. And uh, I ended up moving back out to the Bay Area. Mm. 2018, I believe. 2019, I was on Facebook. I seen Eddie Bravo talking about, hey, Ted Planet Oakland is coming soon. Stay ready. Be ready. We're coming to Oakland. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, well. And then they threw a $99 special. So it was $100 a month if you sign up within the first 30 days. And I was like, $100 a month is shit, you know, to go learn martial arts. Let's go. I already knew what 10th Planet was. I knew yeah. who Eddie Bravo was. I know the Rogans and all the. Mm. I was like, let's, let's, go, let's go figure it out. And I walked into the gym. I'll never forget. I walked in the day before they opened. They were still like putting the floors and the mats in. I was like, oh, man, this it was a shoebox. <laughs> it was a shoebox. You remember that? Yeah. You remember that place? <clears throat> I was like, all right, well, let's learn jujitsu. And, and I met some of the coolest people there. I mean, law enforcement, doctors, mailmen, teachers, mothers, fathers, just normal everyday people, students, you know, retirees. I mean, I mean, old people there, you know, and they're all doing it. And I'm like, I don't have any excuses. Then, mm-hmm. you know, I'm from Oakland. You know, I, I knew what 10 planning was. So I was like, just kind of like, you know, what's crazy is that the day that they their grand opening day was my mom's birthday. 2019. And I was like, I guess I belong here. <laughs> it kind of just felt this, had this deep meaning that my mom wanted me to be there. Hmm. And I was like, fuck it. Your mom's not, your mom's one no, she us. passed away in 2012. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'm doing jujitsu. <laughs> and then, like I said, I fell in love. I fell in love with the culture. Made a lot of close friends. Uh, I love my coach, you know, and then, uh, you know, I started competing. Uh, but it changed my life in a way that it helped me look at things in a more calmer way. Anything in life like is comes with a level of difficulty. But jujitsu, when you get in and you get on those mats and someone's on your back with their arm under your chin, there's nothing more difficult in life than trying to get out of that choke. You know, so I look at everything else in life yeah. as like everything nothing is that stressful there's nothing can be as stressful as someone trying to break your arm or trying to choke yeah. you between their yeah. their legs you know I mean? well yeah i i get what you're saying in a, in a sense in the sense that um when you're in that moment there's this like sense of desperation like you're like okay high stress high stress especially if you're in a competition but you know even in and when you're rolling you're you know, you just feel like okay, like I'm 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 fucked right now. <laughs> like yeah. you're just like, okay. <laughs> but my arms are tired, yeah. right? <laughs> but but I would say, at least for me, you know, I've I felt that desperation in a different sense, um, for the things that that really mattered to me in life that were not physical. Like mm. it's not it's not like a death you know, like a physical death, but it's more like a, a spiritual death mm. or like an ego death, something like that, 
where you feel a different kind of desperation. And for me, that's been, I guess, I don't know if it's more intense. It might be more intense, at least emotionally, it's more intense, but, mm. but it's at the very least it's more prolonged, ah. right? Because in, in the, when you're rolling, well, luckily you can you can just you can just tap <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but life you can't just tap well no. some people do some yeah. some people do in a sense right and too many yeah too many and and it's going and it's it's getting worse but um yeah um but all i'm trying to say is well now that i've said that you know have there been those moments for you where you just you just felt desperate like you can't get out of this Almost yeah. like life has you like in a checkmate, you know? Well, yeah, I, I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, there was this one time, uh, this was one of the really pivotal moments in my life. You could probably edit this out later if you need to. I don't know. But, <laughs> so uh, I had just overcome, like I had, I got a DUI in 2012, mm. something like that. And almost 10 years had gone by. And I was about to get charged with a second DUI. So in the state of California, yeah. if you get a DUI, and then within 10 years, you get another one, they charge you with two. Now you get two DUIs. So if you get a DUI in 2010, yeah, yeah. and then you get one 10 years later, after after 10 years, uh, then they charge you with, with the one. first one. I again, see, yeah, right? yeah. But I, so I was just closing in on the date where I was gonna, it was gonna be charged as a first DUI. Yeah. <clears throat> but this time I had a gun on me, um, right? So I got pulled over for no reason, yeah. first of all. They didn't pull me over for any reason at all. I just got off of work, had food in my car. I was mm -hmm. on my way home, was mm -hmm. pumping gas. I was profiled, right? and I'm not going to complain about yeah. cry about racism or yeah. this and that. You know what? I was I shouldn't I shouldn't have been at that gas station. Whatever. I'll take the blame. Yeah. Right? So they pulled me over. They had me do all these sobriety tests. Mm. I, I passed all of them as far as I know. Mm. And then I told them, hey, just give me the breathalyzer. Yeah. Right. Because by law, they're required to give you a breathalyzer. If they suspect yeah. you of being under the influence, yeah. you have the right to request a breathalyzer yeah. and they are required to give that to you. Mm. And that'll just help cut the short, cut the the stop. Yeah. Right there. Boom. Yeah. I'm sober. Let me go. They said, no, we want to take you to draw blood. So they want to draw blood. I wow. was like, what about my car? And I was like, we're not going to tell your car. We're gonna take you to jail. We're gonna draw blood. And make sure you're sober. Right? You'll be out in a few hours. So I had a gun on my hip mm. and a holster mm. on the outside of my pants. Mm. So instead of uh, giving me the breathalyzer, they came and arrested me, put me in handcuffs. Okay. And I was like, "What's going on?" He said, "You're under arrest for uh, suspicion of DUI." And I said, "Well, just give me the breathalyzer." I wasn't resisting. I, yeah. I'm in handcuffs. Like. Just make this easier on all of, all of us. Yeah. And they said, no, we're going to take you to the station. So they, they didn't pat me down. Mm. They just put me in the back seat of the car. Okay. And I had a loaded weapon on my okay. on my hip. And Did I, they ask you about the weapon? No. <laughs> they didn't even know about it. They didn't even know about it. They didn't see it. Okay. So they put me in the back seat. And I'm like, this is this has got to be a fucking bad dream. This cannot be happening. Okay. This is un is Ashton Kush. Trick you're going to come out and say you've been punk. Like, what the fuck is going on? This shit is not happening. So we got to the station, and they opened my door, and I said, hey, before we go any further, there's something you guys should know. I have a registered 
unloaded holstered weapon on, on my mm-hmm. hip, right? And they two young cops yeah. in their early twenties. They looked at each other, they freaked the fuck out. They were pissed at each other because they didn't search me. Wow. Right? They they didn't have anything to charge me with in the first place. They had no justification to pull me over for in the first place. Wow. Now they got this dude in their backseat with a gun, right? Because they Yeah. You but know, you were handcuffed. Yeah. yeah, I was handcuffed. Yeah. And you know, I, I got out of the car. I put my hands all as far up my back as I possibly could. I told him, hey, look, the gun is over here. It's empty. It's not loaded. Mm. What are you doing with the gun? What the fuck? They're freaking out, right? Wow. And I'm like, hey, guys, let's just calm down. Yeah. Like, all three of us are in a real fucked up situation right now, right? More so you guys. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go to jail and I'm going to get out in a couple hours. Yeah. But you guys are kind of fucked right yeah. now. Let's just yeah. relax. Yeah. Right? And I've, like, I knew that they... They picked on me. They mm. they see me at the gas station. They were at the stoplight. They were looking at me. They were like kind of making jokes between each other. I seen it. I seen mm. it. But I wasn't making a big deal. I was like, I'm legit. I got my license. Mm. I got insurance. I got my registration. I'm sober. Mm. And my car doesn't smell like drugs or alcohol. Yeah. They were just fucking with some. They okay. wanted to fuck with somebody, so they got me. Mm. But I felt like I was just. I call. I went to jail, and I called my buddy, and I told him. Hey, bro, go to my house and get all my guns. I, said, I just, I feel like I'm being fucked with right now. Mm-hmm. Like, because I was just arrested for no reason yeah. with a gun on my hip, right? Yeah. And now I'm facing who knows what kind of charges I'm facing now, right? Because mm-hmm. it's my word against theirs. Yeah. Always. It's my word against theirs. And I was like, yeah. I'm fucked, right? I just didn't want to, I just didn't trust myself with my guns at home mm-hmm. because I was like, dude, why is this happening to me? Like, yeah. This shit does not happen. Like <laughs> you arrested yeah, yeah. me with a gun. What the fuck? You know right, what I mean? Life is like this. Yes, dude. I was like, what the fuck? So that was one of the times in my life where I was like, dude, this is just fucking this is insane. I, I can't, I don't I don't even want to live no more. I felt like I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to kill myself. Yeah. I just felt like I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. I'm trying to fly straight. I'm getting my life together. I'm doing everything I need to do and some. Mm. And I'm getting fucked with. As soon as I start taking my head above the water, they knock you back down. And I was like, fuck, man, I'm never going to win. I'm never going to win. Um, but that was my whole childhood growing up. You know, I grew up in Oakland. I was always getting arrested. I was always in, in drugs and fights and gangs and sex and all that mm-hmm. shit. I survived a lot of bullshit. You know, living in Oakland was, was always a fucking adventure. <laughs> That's for sure. There was always some shit going on. Um, but that helped me realize once I got out, like I, when I was in jail, I read up on the laws. I read up on the crime. I read, cause I'm a gun owner. Yeah. All my guns are legal. I love my guns. I love being able to have that second amendment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that I know that they fuck up their life one day. They, they, they make one mistake and now your rights are gone. Yeah. You know I mean? For me to be. 42 years old and still have that right is kind of an accomplishment you know because i could have made a lot of wrong turns growing up in oakland where i wouldn't have that right but i do so uh i didn't get any felonies i fought my own cases when the police arrested me for that gun they tried to charge me with a felony and give me they tried to throw the book at me and i knew my rights because i had to like nobody cares about your rights like you right (laughs) 
You should. If yeah. you don't know your rights, you better fucking learn them or else they're going to violate them. Yeah. They try to violate mine. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So I fought my own charges, fought my own case, got the charges dropped. I lost the gun. They kept the gun. Mm. Fine. I'll go buy another one. Mm. I don't have a felony. Yeah. You know? So for me, it was worth learning about the laws and the rights of the gun owner mm -hmm. because most people don't even realize that there are responsibilities that come along with your rights. And yeah. So, but that was one example of where I was just like, wow, <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> this is happening to yeah. me right now? But then again, you have those times in life often, right? Right? Well, I, I think it depends on who you are. I mean, yeah. I, I think that what you said earlier about, you know, doesn't matter who, like whether you're rich or you're poor, white or black, it's, it's. We have those moments, and I, and I think that's true to a large extent. But because um, I, I I have I have some friends who who are you know they're 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 wealthy they're they're white and and they still have these kind of crazy experiences not not usually with the cops it, you know it's that's other, that's other. kind of more you know minorities yeah but with other stuff you know you're just your car breaks down on the freeway you get your like your girl leaves you your girl leaves you. And, yeah. Lose like, your job. Yeah, or just even like crazy stuff where, um, you know, I heard stories about, you know, just random people getting attacked and it's like, oh, yeah. you know, those are like one in like one in 500 things, but, you know, you, live, a li you live enough life and, you you know, it happens to you sometimes. And, yeah. and I think that, um, so, so I have, you know, I, I've heard the stories and I've, I've met a lot of people in my life and I've. Um, know that that happens to people but then um, but I think some people are maybe a little bit more sheltered and they haven't grown experienced up experienced life yeah they haven't experienced the way I put it is this is like um, you know if you grew up in, in poverty you grew up in a, in a gang neighborhood like you're gonna have those um, those hardships in in very concrete ways like um, you know, not being able to, to your parents aren't going to afford something or your parents are right. alcoholics and, right. and you're, you're having the violence problems. But then I think that the people who maybe grew up like rich and sheltered didn't have to do that shit. They didn't, they didn't have to go through that kind of stuff. But I, I think what happens is that their mind is kind of weak in a sense. And so right. when they become adults, they have the psychological problems right. and not that we don't too, but they have the psychological problems and then they get into like, you know, drug addiction yeah. or, you know, sex addiction, yeah. something like that. And, and, and that stuff ends up screwing up your life in other ways. Like, I think it impacts yeah. you just as bad. I think it yeah. can impact you just as bad. Yeah. It could literally throw you off the rails, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree, and, and I, I guess that that's a good clarification. Is that it's the it's the perception of the hardship that yeah. really breaks us. It's not even like that. The situation itself is like yeah, that hard. bad. It's the way you look. It's at the way it. that you're looking at it, and I think that like I guess that's the connection is that when you grow up without those hardships, then even the stuff that is really small in the grand scheme of things. Seems right. like it's the end of the world. Right. Like, oh, my girlfriend's leaving me. Right. Um, I lost my job, 
or maybe you go through death in the family that obviously that's hard for everyone but yeah. but if you but if you grew up in the gang neighborhood where you grew up around death it's normal then it's normal yeah and you're built with the coping me- mechanisms yeah. to handle that actually that's that reminds me of what what killmonger says in, in his dream you you watch black panther no uh, anyway he says he grew up in oakland in kind of gang-ridden neighborhood and his dad his dad well got murdered but um he has this dream where he meets his father after he's an adult Mm. and his father, like he says, no, no tears, no tears for me. And the young boy, he sees himself as a young boy in his dream. And he says, like, that's just how it is. Everybody, everybody dies around here. Like, yeah. And, and it's, um, that becomes your reality. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was, uh, I guess about, you know, life, (laughs) life really putting you in a desperate spot, but you had seemed like you had resilience and you decided to fight. A lot of people, you know, they just kind of let, let whatever the cops want to do, do, do them. And, um, people don't, people don't know. I was scared. Yeah. (laughs) I was scared. I literally thought it was a bad dream. Like, I thought I'm in the backseat of this cop car with a gun on me. If I was someone else, anyone else, the the outcome would have been different. I mean, if they had picked up the wrong guy. Like, lucky for those two cops, I was me. Yeah. Because if I, if I was someone else... You mean someone who had malintent, or what do you right, mean? Right, yeah. right. Well, that's why they were so mad at themselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I was a fucked up psychopath yeah. in the backseat of a car with a gun of two cops, yeah, they probably wouldn't be there anymore. You know. Yeah. Oh, that was probably <clears throat> a wake up call for them. Jesus These young, Christ. young cops, inexperienced. Before I even got to the yeah. jail, all the other deputies at the jail had already known who I was okay. before I had even got into the jail. Because I was, I guess it went over the radio. <laughs> with yeah. the radio, and they were like, "Check this guy. Like, who is this guy right here?" <laughs> Fucking idiots. I, I still think about those guys sometimes. <laughs> I hope they're okay. I hope they hug their families. Yeah. With more intent, mm. you know, since that experience. Um, wow. Yeah, it's great. <sighs> Man, well, <clears throat> can I can I ask you about about um what it was like growing up in Oakland, how, how did, uh, you know, I don't know, you mentioned gangs and... and yeah, you know, I, it was, uh, I was born in the Fruitvale, Fruitvale area. My grandmother lived out there right across the street from elementary school. So I was, uh, my mom and my dad, we lived in, in the Dubs. We went to school at Fruitvale and after school, my mom I mean, my grandmother would take care of me and my two brothers and it was it was pretty pretty loving uh upbringing you know i remember being one of the uh like i was in spelling bees i was in like all types of little academic challenges that they had at the school i was i grew up as a smart kid Uh, i loved words vocabulary i was always interested in that geography as a kid um I was the oldest brother and one who was a year younger than me and then another one who was seven years younger than me. 
So I kind of try to teach them the basics, you know, how to get educated, how to be smart, you know. <clears throat> I was a nerd, pretty much a nerd, mm. going up through uh, elementary school. And then somewhere in middle school, sixth, seventh grade, I just started wilding out. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Um, hanging out with uh, drug dealers and gangbangers. This was, you know, what is this, 13, 14 years old uh, in middle middle school, junior high school, just being exposed to a whole different type of melting pot of all types. I mean, girls were promiscuous back at 13, 14 mm -hmm. years old, 15 years old. They were out there, you know, having sex and smoking weed and drinking. Uh, and by the time I was... You know, in seventh grade, eighth grade, I had people uh, pregnant. Yeah, we were, yeah. They were coming to me. They were looking at me like I was, I guess I had some kind of pull because of my cousins. My cousins were gangbangers and uh, somehow got kind of known in elementary and middle school. And I mean, I was selling drugs. People were giving me drugs to sell and I mm. could keep the money. You know, people were looking out for me. I don't mm. know how it ended up that yeah. way. So easily. Pretty fast, I got a crew of people that were following me, you know. I had other people that we would, just people that would hang out with, they would want to hang out with me because they knew I had drugs or I had the girls or I had some place to kick it. Um, and just being a bad influence. I don't really know how that shit happened. Mm -hmm. I think about it, like I was a really good kid all up through fifth and sixth grade. I was pretty nerdy. Mm -hmm. And then seventh grade, I was just... Yeah. Well, is there is there a um, like I don't know? They talk about gateways. Was there was there a particular person who you were friends with, and then that was like kind of the? I think there was during during uh, middle school, my first year of middle school. We lived in Fifty Fourth in Oakland, and then there was uh, gangbangers all through that neighborhood. So I kind of like idolized them. I seen my cousins were always gangbangers too, so I kind of knew about that. Back in those days, in the eighties, nineties, early nineties, there was movies that would glorify, you know, mm -hmm. Hispanic gangs and shit like that, blood in, blood out, and just movies that would glorify that L.A. type gangbanger mm -hmm. mentality. So it was kind of like that kind of influenced it, and then the rap music also influenced it. So it was just. You know, for me, it was normal when you're a, a young kid, Hispanic in Oakland, that you're, you're going to be smoking weed, you're going to have guns on you, you're going to be having sex with all the girl, all the girls, and mm -hmm. doing all the dumb shit. It was, it was just that yeah. it was normal, and that, you know, <clears throat> and you know, my mom wasn't too. She was always busy. Same with my dad. And then you know, parents they look at your kid. Look at their kids as if they're these innocent, beautiful creatures, which they are. Yeah. But they're out there doing some shit. <laughs> and your parents had no idea. They had no idea. You know, parents would tell you all the time. You can hear parents. Oh, my kids would never do that. Oh, my kids would never do that. Your kids are doing. I'm gonna look straight into the camera. Your kids are doing that shit. You better check up on them kids because they're out there doing that shit. I was out there doing that shit. I'm not saying all of them are. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. But there's a wisdom. There's a wisdom that don't that, fool that, that you're saying yes is that you just the parents don't want to believe that the they kids don't. are capable. And 
and that's um like I see I see the these um you know when when the when these kids actually you know do the really bad stuff and you know then it hits the news the parents first response is denial yeah they just can't they just can't I get it. fathom it I get it yeah. you know and it's got to be hard because you created this child yeah. All these years, you watched it grow up. You know, you watched it learn how to speak his first word. You mm-hmm. learn how to watch it. You watched it walk. Yeah. And then you watched it eat cereal. And now you're like, no, oh, my kid would never do no shit like that. I taught him better. You know, I taught her better. Mm-hmm. This, they're going to learn what they're exposed to. Yeah. You know, they're out in the street. Yeah. They're out at school. They're out in the movies hanging out with their friends. They're going to emulate some of that shit. Yeah. They're going to imitate that yeah. shit. And, and and I think that that um, you know we all we all want to be accepted, and so I think that that that's why, you know, you have people who are in the higher, you know, grew up in the in the richer neighborhoods, and they look down on the people who are in these poor neighborhoods, yep. and they go, hey, you know what? These are like gangbangers. They're yep. they're druggies and whatever, and and but we're all the same. We're yeah. just trying to. We just want friends. We want people to like us. We want the girls. We want yeah, they, or the boys. They, but tr- yeah. we're tribal. Yeah, we're tribal. I mean, growing up, you want to be, you want to fit in. You want to be a part of something. Mm. Um, and learning, picking your friends, is how you decide or how you find out where it is you belong. Mm. And if you're in a neighborhood where all you have are not the right people. Mm-hmm. You're gonna find your place in that not right people, and you're. It, there's a saying: you hang around six idiots, and you're the seventh. <laughs> you know, you hang around seven geniuses, yeah, and you're the eighth. You know, so yeah. it's. And again, it's. I think we all have our deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's how much money you make in your, or what your, if you have two parents or. Yeah. But we all have also, we're all equipped to succeed. Mm-hmm. We all have, I mean, there's blind, Stevie Wonder was blind, he played the piano. Yeah. You know, everyone knows who Stevie Wonder is, but he didn't have any excuses. You know, he was equipped mm-hmm. to play the piano. You know? So I think we all have these, we all have our advantages and our disadvantages, but we all are equipped. Yeah. Do you think that, um there was something that your your parents could have done that would have prevented you from going down this path? <clears throat> I don't think so. Um, maybe spend more time with us. My dad yeah. could have probably spent more time with us uh, getting us into some type of sports activities or, you know, something that would have kept us. Again, because I learned about this tribal mentality a long time ago. I learned that that's just part of who we are as we grow up, mm-hmm. you know. And when you're five, six years old, you're you're part of something bigger. And what that bigger thing is, is your family. The family unit is the part of something that you are. Your identity. Right, yeah. right. And then as you get older, you start realizing that you don't fit in like you used to in that family. That mm-hmm. little spot that you filled in that family, you've grown out of it. So now you have to go find something else to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And whatever's outside your front door is what you're going to be a part of. Whatever you're, uh, Whatever is at your yeah. job, 
Yeah. You're, you're gonna you pick up habits from your coworkers mm-hmm. or uh, on your sports team, your football team, your baseball team, whatever you do. You pick up little traits and qualities from all those people too. So that's how you build your identity. And it is a community. You have to have some type of community that makes you feel like you belong there. And that's why for me, the in jujitsu, when I come into jujitsu, I'm giving everybody hugs. Everybody comes to that fucking door. Yeah. They're getting a hug from me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right? yeah, they I mean, all know that. Yeah. They all know that. Everybody knows that. Because that's my community. Yeah. You know what I mean? My coworkers that I see every day too, those are those are I have some relationships with some of them, but my community is in, in the gym, on you know, on the mats with those people, because uh, again, I don't agree with all of their beliefs and all of their ideas. Mm-hmm. But the things that I do agree with on them, with them, those are more valuable than any other disagreement that I can have mm-hmm. with them. You know, and that's how you fit in. You find where you fit in. Where you found where people are gonna love you regardless. You know. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's why we're 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 even having this conversation. Yeah. Is is um you know, we don't look the same, we don't come from the same background, but I felt that you you really cared. I know I was going through a hard time and and um I think what what made you stand out was that I think there there are people who who you know, you see they're not doing well and, and you might say, Hey, are you doing okay or whatnot? But like I think with you, you were you were persistent in that you're like, hey, you know, like you asked me how I was doing multiple times. Well, I did. I didn't want to like dig yeah. at you, but yeah. I wanted you to know that hey, there's somebody. Not everybody's gonna understand what yeah. you're going through, but some people are just there to listen. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, and that's what you said. You said, um, you know, if, if you ever want to talk, I'm here. And I, and I think that a lot of times. Um, you know, that, that's kind of all we need in the sense that I think when we're going through, you know, a dark place or a funk or whatever you're going through, but mental illness or whatnot, you start to be very negative. Yep. You start to believe that oh, nobody cares. Yep. Everybody's so- shallow. Everybody's yeah. selfish. And I think that what... W- that which is why isolation is so bad because then it just you just keep repeating that snowballs yeah but then i was i mean luckily i had already you know enrolled and i was i was at at the gym and i think you 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 broke that um i guess you you kind of challenged that false belief of mine right that Eric, nobody gives a shit nobody gives a shit and and i think that um And I don't know. I guess to me, I feel like nowadays it's 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 more rare. It's more rare to find people who who. It's not to to shame anyone, but it's more like has has the capacity, and the maturity to kind of be giving and to be, uh, to feel like they're out of compassion. Compassion, where I don't I don't know if it's just that. I think compassion is is a big part of it, but I feel like, um. Even compassionate people, they feel like they don't have they don't have more to give. Right. But but I what I see is that you got to a place where you felt like, you know what, like 
I'm just going to help other people out. You know, I'm going to, uh, you know, be that guy who's hugging everyone in, in, in the community and, um, checking in and stuff. And I, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering, how did you get, how did you get there? Well, there was this, uh, incident that happened in my life, 2013. I was, I was stabbed mm-hmm. here in my, my radial artery. Oh man! Yeah, it, I bled out. I literally, I was, I was like, thirty seconds from death. You know, wow. uh, I survived that, and I did ju- started jujitsu six years later. But during those six years of realizing that, because I was, I was, I was working at a tattoo shop, had my own shop. I had my own artists working with me, working, you know, we had, I was doing what I wanted to do. I was living my dream. It was the beginning of my tattoo career and Mm -hmm. the end at the same time. So after I got stabbed, like my artists, the shop started falling down. I had young artists who didn't know how to run a business. I was learning how to run the business still. So I couldn't depend on these guys to try to pick up, you know, I was like the chief. And now there's no chief now, so it's just it's gone to shit. So I lost use of my hand. Uh, half of my hand is numb because of nerve damage, so I couldn't hold a tattoo machine anymore. Right? It was just it was impossible to do it. You know, I mean, as much as I would try, it was so depressing. As much as I would try to draw and hold a pencil, I couldn't do it. You know, it was just it took a long time to where now I can manipulate my hand and my fingers yeah. to figure out a way to paint and draw. So I still do it, yeah. but just just differently now. So since then, like learning that life still goes on, life still goes on. And then when I started training jujitsu, I was like, I didn't really tell anybody about my disability. I still don't tell anybody. Like I'm just as good as you are, right? <laughs> I might whoop your ass <laughs> with nine fingers, motherfucker. <clears throat> but I tape them together. So that way they're not, because this finger doesn't articulate mm, right? mm. like this one does. Right? Mm. So I tape it together so that way I can piggyback mm. it off this one. Because I don't want to poke nobody in their eye. Mm. If I break it, I won't even feel it. Because mm. it's just, there's no sensation in there. Wow. The nerves are gone. So being able to train jujitsu and showed me that I am capable of doing shit. And... As much as as much love as I get from my teammates, right? I'm not saying everybody likes me in there, but they all love me. You know, it just makes me give back that love. You know, I I take the love that they're giving me, and I multiply it and I give them back. I want them. Every person that walks in that gym, I want them to know. Even though you didn't feel like coming to train today, I'm glad you fucking came. Right? Some so and so is glad you. Because there's some days where you don't feel like training. Oh, my back hurts, oh, my stomach hurts, or you know, fuck, I'm hungry or I'm tired. And I just fucking go anyway, you know. And I every time I go, I'm always like, damn, I'm glad I came. Because I know that those three or four people that I just rolled with, they're fucking glad I came, right? Because I just gave them the work. <laughs> you know, I made them work. I tried some new shit on your ass. I almost got you. Right. Or you tried some new shit on me and you almost got me, you know. So for me, it's not always about my training. For me, it's like it's important to be there 
because somebody wants you to be there. Mm-hmm. Somebody there is looking at the clock like, damn, where's Angel at? You know, mm-hmm. or where's Daniel at? You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, they're waiting for you, you know? So for me, it's like I said, I'm a small part of that community, mm-hmm. but I'm a part of that community, you know? So, and everybody, I, I imagine what that place would be like without me. I think about my job too. My job is the same way. I mean, my coworkers love me too. And I think about what their lives would be like if I wasn't there. I, I don't know why coming so close to that. And it's, it might sound like egotistical, but I don't want it to come across as that way. It's just realizing that life is precious. There was a time where I could not have been here. You know what I mean? Who would you be having this conversation with? If I wasn't here, <laughs> you know what, I mean? what do you mean? Like if you died, or what do you? If I had died in, yeah. in 2013, yeah. ten years ago, if yeah. I had died, because I was this close to dying, I, I didn't feel any pain. I just felt tired. Mm. I felt <sighs> release, and then I heard the sirens in the background. And I heard the ambulance pulling up, mm. and I, I I didn't see anything. Everything was just slowly fading away, and I was like. That's the end. But not, when that wasn't the end. You know, it was just a different chapter in my story. It was just a different part of a new adventure. So now that's why I look at life now every day. It's like, it's a fucking adventure. You know, everything that happens to me is for a reason. Because I have some stories where you just, like I told you one earlier, where you're like, I can't believe that shit fucking happened. Which one? With the cops arresting me with a gun oh, okay. on me, like some shit. The girl that pulled my leg when I was. Uh. <laughs> what kind of parallel universe is that shit happening? You know what I mean? There's some shit that happened to me where I'm just like, wow, really, dude? You can make this shit up. Like, what the fuck? So I look at that and I just laugh. I'm like, dude, well, it's happening to me yeah. for a reason, whatever the fucking reason is. But I always am going to stay positive, you know. I mean, I was homeless for a while. I was homeless for like four years. Wow. I was bouncing from place to place, living in a van, you know what I mean? Yeah. Living in my car. And I was like, I'm going to pull myself out of this. I'm handicapped, but I'm still going to pull myself out of this shit. So I did, you know? And I'm not living in a huge mansion or anything right now, but I'm able to keep myself, to maintain a, a, a nice living, you know? And have a little bit of fun too, you know, and help people out. Yeah. You know, it's like, fuck, you know? I mean, I think that's, that's the most important thing is that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're paying it forward as best as you can. And, you know, there's people who have, who, who are very rich or successful or whatever, but they, they don't pay it forward. No. And, and, uh, I mean, I get that. I get why, why we can get like that sometimes, but I think that you're, you're, you know, the, the way that you're looking at life and is, is the right way to look at it. Well, it's yeah. easy to get caught up, especially now with social media. It's easy to get caught up with just like, you know what, I'm going to hashtag what this latest trend, this mm-hmm. latest, whatever's in the news or media right now. I, I support this country or yeah. I support that country. But it's like, do you really? No. Do you really? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I make it a point in my life to where now <laughs> I'm so happy to be alive that I want to make your day a little bit better, a little bit better. Like I tell people, listen, one of the things that makes me hug people all the time, like I hug my coworkers too, like all the time, because you don't know what person 
That's all they needed was a fucking hug. Just yeah. to know that somebody's there, somebody fucking cares. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what you're going through, somebody has it harder, right? Yeah. I'm here to give you a fucking hug and let you know, march on, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Stay hard, David, David Goggins. Stay hard, motherfucker. <laughs> you know how that shit is? Because, I mean, life is hard. And we all need to be reminded that we're, we can overcome. Mm-hmm. We can overcome. But people forget that shit. Oh, my girlfriend left me already. So what, dude? So what? I'll find another one, right? Or stay single, right? I've I've been single for a year now, over a Mm -hmm. year now. Uh, Just find relationships right now are just so hard to maintain. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for, like, if you meet a girl and you like her, she's cute, she makes you laugh, and then... For some reason, she likes the the Giants, and you like the A's. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go find a Giants fan. There. Yeah, I'm gonna go find an A's fan. Like yeah. you were cute, I liked you, but you're yeah. not a, you're not an A's fan. Yeah, it's easy yeah. for people to just switch. Yeah, well, that fast. Well, well, there, well, there's a there's a bit of a paradox there in what you said, in the sense that, um, you know, you said, oh, hey, your girlfriend left you. So what? Find another one. Mm-hmm. But but isn't that the same mentality? Right? It's like, oh yeah, this guy, uh, he's an Ace fan. So so what? Go find another, find one, another one. Right? Like, so yeah. we we get we get sucked into that that mentality, and and I know that, um, and and I think there's trade offs. I think there's like, you know, yeah, getting stuck on one person for too long is also unhealthy, not good yeah. for anyone. Yeah, and. You know, I remember after I, I shared with you that I was like stuck thinking about this one person for years. Mm-hmm. You know, you shared with me, oh man, you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. For you, you said you did you did that for ten years one time. Mm-hmm. What was so it special? Still kind of happens. It still kind of happens with the same person or new people? same girl. Same girl. Same girl. You know, it's this girl. I was in a relationship with her from two thousand and nine to two thousand and twelve. We were still seeing each other like semi-exclusively. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of felt like she was still seeing other people mm-hmm. while I was still like focused and dedicated to her. Right, even though we weren't together, we we lived together from 2010 to 2012. Mm-hmm. We lived together. We we, we took up art classes together. We danced together. We did mm-hmm. everything. Well, this was this girl was like the one. Right, mm-hmm. I thought we we were going to be together. This is the one I'm going to settle with. Yeah. I'm going to have a family with her. We're going to fucking do this shit together. Um, and it didn't work out after the second year of living together. She, she was, there was a 10 year age difference. Mm. She was 20 and I was 30. Uh-huh. Right. So, and I was fully aware that our maturity levels weren't seeing eye to eye. Yeah. So I was extra patient. with her. I was extra understanding because I knew that yeah. there's some shit. She's going to have bad days. Yeah. Unexplainable. Like women go through days where they just. They're fucking, they can't tell you why they're in a bad mood because they don't know. <laughs> they don't fucking know. They just, you know, so you have to roll with those punches. Yeah. So I came in there fully understanding that, hey, there's going to be some rough water until she gets her mental maturity fully develops mm-hmm. and then she defines herself. So I was holding on to her for all that, you know, for mm-hmm. 2018 we, was the last time we saw each other. Um like from 2012 to 2018, we were still off and on, off and mm-hmm. on. She would come call me in the middle of the night to come pick her up because she didn't want to sleep alone. Yeah. 
or, you know, she wanted to be with me or the other guy didn't pick up his phone. So I'm the next <laughs> on the list. Right. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Right. <laughs> so it was. And then I just completely lost like emotional connection with her. Um, we were, I remember we were having sex and I just completely just, I just felt like kind of nasty. I just felt kind of like disgusted with myself. Like mm. I'm doing this to this girl mm. and I don't even feel a connection with her anymore. Right. So I was just like, I stopped. I was like, we can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Right. She was upset. Mm. Um, Girls don't like it when you stop fucking them <laughs> and you say, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> they, they really yeah. take it pretty hard. Yeah. She kind of freaked out. And uh, I, I didn't. She said, I'll talk to you later. I'll, I'll, I'll call you later. And I never, we never spoke again after that. Mm. I seen her quite often because she lives pretty close to my house. Mm. And I see her in the traffic from time to time. She's actually come to my store once before um to find you a coincidence she was there with her brothers and her cousins shopping for family uh christmas Mm -hmm. gifts Mm -hmm. it was last year um and the look of shock on her face Mm -hmm. like every time i've seen her at walmart before Mm -hmm. the look of shock on her face and she just runs out she Mm -hmm. just leaves so i know she feels something about me she still feels something toward me something but every girl after that i would I would see a little bit of her in them, right? For some reason. I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if it was something inside mm-hmm. me that was like, hey, call yeah. her, go call her, go to her house. Or, I'm not a psycho. I'm yeah. not going to go to your fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know where I live, right? Yeah. If you want to talk to me, I'm, I'm a mature person. I'm open minded. Shit didn't work out between us. Fine, whatever. You can still talk to me, right? Mm-hmm. If I've loved you ever in my life, ever yeah. i'm i'm always gonna love you right yeah even people that i don't get along with anymore yeah i still love you no hard feelings for me you know but i would see this girl i still see her in my dreams mm-hmm. now one of the reasons i smoke weed is because i won't dream like wow. when i smoke weed it helps me to just sleep mm-hmm. and not dream so when i don't smoke weed and i dream always about her wow always about her without fail without wow. fail so sometimes i'll go a day without smoking weed just to see her again and yeah it's fuck it's fucking insane it's fucking insane so i just you know maybe i'll never see her again in life but i'll see her in my dreams yeah. you know and they're never like bad dreams they're just yeah. like walking through the park you know yeah just, and i can't see your face yeah. But I know it's her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes I see her face. Yeah. But with the times I don't see her face, I know it's fucking her. Right. So it's just, it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy that I'm still dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So I just smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking smoke weed. So, yeah. D- does, do you feel, I mean, obviously it's been a long time, but do you feel like this, this longing inside that, like, man, I, I just wish that. Like you just wish that you that you guys could 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 talk and work it out and and have a happy ending. I I want I would like to know. I sometimes I still fight the urge to call her and just s- let her know that I hope she's okay. 
and let her know that I'm okay. Mm. You know, I'm teaching kids now. I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of myself. I'm healthier than I've ever been. You know, mm-hmm. I have my job. My job loves me. You know, so just so that way she can know that I didn't go off the deep end. That yeah. you didn't destroy me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love you. I care about you. And I hope that you're doing good with your life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, I had a I had a relationship last year. It ended in August or July. So it was a year. Uh, it started in April, May, June, July. Yeah, April, May, June, July. Started in April, ended in July. So I was dating this girl for a while. She was just like this girl, just like the girl that I was yeah, yeah. Yeah, with. Yeah. The way she dressed, yeah. the way she talked, the way she carried herself. Yeah. And I was like, I just met this girl, right? And she had asked me to be her boyfriend. Yeah. So it's the same story wow. as the girl before. Right? Wow. It's the same, it was the same story. And I was just like, fuck, this is weird. <laughs> this, this, this is weird. Her birthday was three days after. The other girls were, I was like, this is fucking weird, dude. The universe yeah. is playing with me. Yeah, sometimes it feels like the, Jeez. That this is a simulation. Right. Like, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'll roll with the punches. I'll roll with the punches. I'll yeah. go along with this. Yeah. Uh, she's, she, was, she wasn't her. Yeah. But she was a lot of similar, a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. them. And I was like, do I just attract this type of person? Mm-hmm. Or what is it? What is going on? I'm just like, yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, maybe this girl is something yeah. that I can work out. What what right. were what were some of those qualities that that? Uh, they were both tor- they were Tauruses. Mm-hmm. Like I said their birthdays, birthdays were really yeah. close, right? The way they dressed, their favorite colors, mm-hmm. right? The stuff they like to eat, the music they listened mm-hmm. to, the way they danced, right? The way they slept mm-hmm. it was real similar, mm-hmm. real similar. This other girl was now she's uh she was twenty six when we started dating. Yeah. So there were a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities. Uh, like to play chess, <laughs> right? Who, that's, that's, not a lot of people yeah, play not, chess, not, right? Especially girls, like there's not that many that play chess. Right. So they were into conspiracies and shit like that. It was like, all right. Oh, man. wow. Yeah, weirdos. So I was like, maybe I just, <laughs> maybe I just attract this type of person to me, all right? There's, and there's some, there's some truth to that. Like all we, right. we all emit an energy. Right. So, right. Yeah. But, um, and that relationship, she came and trained uh, maybe twice at the gym. Because I was like, I'm going to, if you want me, I, I'm interested in your world. I'm interested in yeah. the things that interest you, right? So I want to, I want to be interested, you know? Yeah. I, I want to do some of the stuff you like to do with you. If you want to share that part of your life with me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm open-minded to that. So uh, only naturally, it's only natural that you would, Come into my world a little bit, yeah. right? So come and train jujitsu. See if you like it. If not, at least you want. At least you know what I do, yeah. right? Um, and then we started building the new gym. Mm. So I was working my full time job, and I was building the new gym after that. So I had no time for a relationship. Meanwhile, this girl's waiting for me at home or mm. whatever she's doing, right? Yeah. But um, we were used to seeing each other every day every other day yeah. even if we weren't spending the night together we were at least have lunch or have a dinner and then mm-hmm. i'm going home but i guess that might have taken a lot of a toll on the relationship because i was working yeah. and then work after work you know yeah. excuse me so 
she just up and left one day. Just mm. I came home from work. My house key her my house keys were on the on the porch. My clothes and all my stuff was in a bag hanging on the uh the doorknob. Mm. And then I looked on Instagram. She had blocked me from Instagram and, and deleted me. I was like, all right. But I remember telling her in the beginning, I was she asked me to be her boyfriend. Yeah. And I said, This is we've only known each other for a few days. Yeah. We should like I just want you to know that if it's not working out, you change your mind, right? Just tell me. Yeah. Don't try to play games with me. Don't try to fuck with my head. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not gonna entertain that shit. Yeah. If it's not working, just tell me. Just tell me. If if you change your mind. One day you like strawberry, two weeks later you like chocolate, you have every right to change your fucking mind. But as a participant in this relationship, yeah, yeah. you should please let me know. Yeah. She didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, it's probably better that way then. Yeah. Um, yeah. There yeah, were well, at least th- then you know, you know, where her maturity level is at, it's easier to move on. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's hard to understand that, like, people just don't have that type of, they, they're so careless with other people's feelings. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and they're not, it's not something to play with. And that's why I've chosen to stay single because if I love somebody, I'm going to show them love. Love is not buying you gifts. It's not fucking, you know, buying you all kind of shit. It's just, love is action. Love is showing someone that you love them. You know, yeah, you can bring flowers and all that as extra, but there's, a force. Love is a force and it has to be shown and acknowledged before mm-hmm. it can be like fully yeah. realized. I mean. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> I think uh, you said that I, like she asked you to be your boyfriend after like three days after meeting you or something. Do you think it maybe it was a mistake to agree so fast? Yeah. Yeah. I thought about it like, fuck, what did I just do? <laughs> what did I just do? But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm 40. I was 40, uh, 41. And I was like, you know what? If this girl feels this strongly about me, why not? I was like, why not? You know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to be just friends first, but I felt like, like we, like three or four days, like we would, we played first, first date, the first time we hung out, we went to the park and played chess. You know, we smoke some weed and fucking play chess in the park. I mean, that's like, that's ideal. Yeah. Like most girls want you to take them to a fancy fucking dinner, a fancy restaurant, buy yeah. drinks, and then all that shit. No, no, no. We just went to the park, had some snacks, fucking play chess, dude. And I was like, wow, this is, this is cool, right? Yeah. I can do this shit, right? Um. So who won? Was, who won the game? <laughs> The first, I beat her the first two games, right? And then she beat me the third game. She thought, she was like, did you let me win? I was like, no. I said, did I let you win the first two games? <laughs> no, I'm not going to fucking let you win. <laughs> the fuck? The fuck? <laughs> this, shit, this shit is real in the field. <laughs> Check, motherfucker. <laughs> Hell yeah. So it was It was pretty nice. You know, it, it was refreshing to be in a relationship. She just hit me up too, not too long ago, mm. a couple of days ago, like, she was admitting that she was wrong, mm. which women don't really do. She was mm. like, I was mistaken. Oh. I, I, I didn't get to the, 
I didn't reach the level of maturity that you wanted me to be at. I thought I was ready to be in a relationship. I'm sorry it didn't work out. I'm happy and wow. that I got to experience a relationship with you. And I was like, well, that's thoughtful. That's really thought. That's probably really hard yeah. for her to do. And I was like, dude, that, you know, like, you want to hang out? You want to play some chess sometime? That's cool. I'm not trying to fuck nobody. I'm not yeah. trying to have sex no more. It's just, if I don't have that emotional connection with somebody, yeah. it's just not worth it for me, you know? So, yeah, she was, she was, I'm not, I don't have anything bad to say about her. She just ghosted me. Maybe she has her reasons yeah. for that. For a while, I was curious, and then I was just like, you know what? It's not even important. Yeah. My life is gonna, isn't going to change at all, knowing her reason for leaving. Yeah. She just left. It's part of life. Yeah, so the, um, the person that stabbed me was mm -hmm. my brother. He was uh, he's pretty fucked up. He's pretty fucked up on alcohol, really down a dark path. He was fighting with his wife. He was fighting with his wife. And then whenever I see a male aggressive with a female, like something inside me just kind of like snaps. You know what I mean? So... By not minding my own business, I went and started beating the shit out of my brother. So I started beating his ass and he had a knife in his hand. When he I punched him, fucking just <sighs> I just felt a little tingle in the right here in my hand just went bling like numb. And then uh, I went to the bathroom. I got a fucking wet towel and just tied it around, trying to stop the <laughs> Half ass, oh, no. half ass, stop the bleeding and shit, bro. It's oh, no. fucking ridiculous. And uh, okay, but did you know that you need to call nine one one? My brother's oh. wife called nine one one. She was Ooh. screaming. There's blood everywhere. And then, Yo, so why do you have a knife in his hand? Because he was drunk. He was, he was starting. He was getting his ass kicked. <clears throat> well, but well, this is what happened. Because uh, I had uh, drums, guitars, bass, amplifiers, all that shit at my house. I lived about five minutes away from where we were at. We were at his house. Okay. And so it was his birthday party. So we'd all been hanging out and drinking at the park, Lake Chabot, during the daytime. Okay. Later at night, we had like seven kids there. His kids, his nieces, and that, my nieces and nephews. And we're all just hanging out. And I'm like, all right, we're going to go to my house and fucking make some music, right? Okay. So the kids are like, yeah, the kids are all getting ready and shit. My brother goes to his wife, and I asked his wife, because she was the sober one. I yeah. said, can you drive us to my house? She's like, yeah. I'll pick you up in like two hours. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. So my brother grabs the car keys, and he thinks he's going to drive. Mm -hmm. He's fucking wasted, yeah. right? His wife is like, you're not going. You're not going. You're not going to drive. She's like, I'm going to fucking drive. I'm, gonna, I'm okay to drive. I'm okay. She's like, I'm like, bro, just give her the keys. Yeah, She's going to drive so all good. of us. Yeah. Like, you're coming too, bro. Yeah. Like, don't trip. You're coming. <laughs> He wanted to drive. So then he's like getting in her face and he's shaking her. He grabs her, starts shaking oh her. God. So then I just start beating his ass. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I beat his ass. I throw him in the back room. Right. I'm like, come on, kids, get ready. The kids are getting ready and shit. So I, I knocked him out. He's oh. knocked out in the back room. <clears throat> Damn. And then so the kids are getting ready. And I hear, oh I hear more tussling back there. More, And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? So I went back there. And now he's wrestling with uh, his wife's brother. So his brother-in-law. Okay. He's wrestling with the brother-in-law. 
And I'm like, motherfucker, you don't listen? You don't learn? Yeah. So I went to sock him again. And when I went to sock him, he had a knife in his hand. Oh, no. And then that's when he just... You didn't see the knife? I didn't see the knife. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, she's like, I locked him out again. And then I'm oh, like, I God. see the fucking blood just oh. fucking squirting everywhere. <laughs> and his wife is screaming, oh, my God, Angel, what the fuck? And I went to the I went to the closet and I'm like the kids are screaming and shit. I grabbed a wet towel and I was like, oh, it's all good. Don't worry, I'm tightening it up. Oh, no. I'm like, come on, kids, get ready. We're gonna go play no. the drums. Little did I know, I was slowly dying. <laughs> I had no idea I was about to die, and I was like, fuck. So then I heard. I I got to the front porch, and I just collapsed. And I remember I collapsed like this. And I could just see the blood was squirting. Uh, and then this, it was like more, the intervals started getting longer and longer. Oh, squirt. Squirt. And then my eye, everything just went dark. I heard the sirens. I heard my brother screaming in the house. I heard police running in. And the next thing, I'm just waiting to hear gunshots. Right? I'm waiting to hear the cops are going to fucking kill my brother right now. Because yeah. he's got a knife in his hand. And he's not going down without a fight. Because yeah. he's hard-headed. Yeah. And I'm just waiting to hear the cops fucking shoot him. And then I remember them putting me into the back of the ambulance and my eyes opened up. And I fucking reached in my pocket. <laughs> I grabbed a cigarette. No! And I'm fucking no I'm, way. I'm in the back of the ambulance and the, the ambulance dude was like, hey man, you can't smoke in here. I was like, just one more before I go. <laughs> Try to smoke a cigarette and shit. Like, you yeah. literally said that. Yeah, I said just one. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I was like, it's oh over. My God. Yeah, because it was a puddle. The puddle. All I seen was a red puddle of oh, blood, and I seen man. the fucking shit was, yeah. Wow. So then the cops arrested him, and uh, I went to the hospital. They did surgery on my arm. His. I woke up in the hospital, and his wife was there, just like bloodshot eyes makeup running she's fucking she's destroyed she's just done right and uh because she knew my brother had this alcohol problem for a while yeah and she's been trying to get him to quit he's denying i don't have a fucking problem so uh he called me from she i woke up his wife was like i just filed for a divorce i'm taking the kids wow is there anything you need, Angel? Let me know. She's like, I'm here. I, I, I can't do it with your brother anymore. I just can't do it. I was like, I don't blame you. So then he called me from jail. He's fucking bawling his eyes out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, look, you have two options. I said, one is you're going to get clean and sober at home with your family, or you're going to get clean and sober in prison. Choice is yours. Like, cause if I press charges, you're going to jail. Yeah. If I don't press charges, I'm letting you off the hook, yeah. right? So, I let him off the hook. I didn't charge him with any charges. He went back to jail. Uh, he was five years clean and sober. Mm. Boom. After that, five years mm. clean and sober. They moved out to Las Vegas. His wife still divorced him eventually, right? They moved out to Las Vegas. Both of my brothers yeah. live in Las Vegas. Yeah. And uh, he's back on getting fucked up again. <laughs> yeah. He's back drinking. Is now he he's was, a now he's a gambler too. Oh, <laughs> he's a degenerate was. gambler. Oh my god! So I'm just like you know what? I, all I can do is <sighs> so love sad. you. So yeah. Sad, he can't. He's not gonna realize <laughs> that he can change his life. Yeah. 
I was his rock bottom. After yeah. almost killing your brother, yeah. like any normal person would have been like, you know what, I have to get my shit together. Yeah, um, yeah. Never touching a drop of alcohol again. Yeah. And he did five. Yeah, five years, years. That's something. But he fell back off again. And he, yeah. not only that, he's still the same drunk. You know, there's these drunk people that they like to get violent and aggressive. Yeah, you know, drunk, yeah. I'm a happy drunk. <clears throat> if we have, if we were sitting here having shots at tequila, bro, we'd be talking for seven, eight hours. No bullshit, bro. We'd be sitting here just laughing. I tell you all the stories, <laughs> right? But there's some people that just, oh, fucking listen to me. Oh, fuck you. Know, they're just yeah, aggr- yeah. aggressive drunks. Yeah. And he's one of those, you know, and he don't even know how to fight. <laughs> it's like, dude, how can you be that guy, bro? You know, he's always starting yeah. to fight and then yeah. getting his ass Well, that's kicked. the thing is that the, the people who don't know how to fight feel like always that. want to fight. They feel like that. Yeah. 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 So so he got his shit. <clears throat> Whatever he's doing now, is, that's on him. Like I, All I can do is love him from here. You know, uh, if he's going to call me from jail, I'm going to tell him, hey, bro, congratulations. You did it again. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like, there's some people that just don't know how to stop. Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't condone. I mean, everybody's going to get high off something. Yeah. There's coffee. Some people get high off sex. Some people get high off jujitsu. Jujitsu yeah. gets me fucking high. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's adrenaline, pure, running through your body, you know? Uh, but yeah. being able to manage, yeah. you know, shopping gets you high. You yeah, know, yeah. People are addicted to I a think, lot, of, lot of shit. Yeah, it can be pretty much anything. I think I think I realized that I, I, I kind of have an, an addictive personality mm-hmm. and... Um, there's certain things in life that give you more of like a dopamine hit. Yeah. And I think what I learned recently is that there are a lot of these things in life that um, they make you feel better for like a little bit. Little quick hits. But, yeah. but as you're getting those hits, your your baseline level of happiness and your quality of life is going down, down because those things don't are like kind of bad for you. Yeah. And so what you really have to do is be able to tolerate doing something that's kind of hard that actually makes you feel worse for a while. Yeah. Like, I don't know, doing your damn work or your chores or studying or I don't know, going to meet people or something and and your life like feels worse for a little bit, but on average, it's actually getting better, better, better and better. And then once you do that for a while and you start to see that, hey, your life is getting better, you're feeling healthier, you start getting a little bit of a dopamine hit. Knowing what you went through. Yeah, well, doing the harder things. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, training yeah. Or, or making some money or, I don't know, being mature and taking yeah. some responsibility. Yeah. Like, I guess, helping out some people or, or painting, painting the painting the uh, dojo or the gym and you know in the past you would have been like no this is not as good as you know having sex with some girl or getting high or something right but now like painting is actually kind of fun and it's like triggering those same pathways and you find better substitutes that make you feel good and improve your life and improve the life of the community yeah and that's where i think we all need to go um but but some people are are stuck in kind of like this yeah this spiky downward spiral and and you know I was I was doing that for a while for a yeah. long time I think. I think the pandemic too made things a lot a lot harder for people in some ways I mean easy mm-hmm. in other ways but 
yeah. as far as people having to go into work to actual work, you can work from home. Yeah. But, but it made like, I think it, it made a, a lot of deep relationships like not as deep anymore because it turned a lot of people against each other you know mm -hmm. so I, find, I think it made it harder mm -hmm. for us to relate like we wanted to mm -hmm. because of you know political reasons or you know conspiracy reasons or just things that don't even really matter like the things that matter are the genuine bonds the genuine relationship that people mm -hmm. have between each other regardless of your politics or yeah. of your vaccination status or whatever yeah. the fuck, you know. Like, people just want to be connected, yeah. you know. Um, and I think after the pandemic, things kind of got disconnected. Yeah. You know, a yeah. lot. A yeah. lot more. People are lonely. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of that rat park, rat park experiment? Mm -hmm. So there's, like, this experiment where they put these rat, maybe mice, but they put them in, um, <clears throat> like, a like a little cage or something. And they have one bottle of, of regular water. Mm -hmm. They have one bottle of cocaine laced. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember water that Water bottle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you put the rat in there by itself. Straight to the cocaine. With, with, well, with nothing to do, it, it eventually gets addicted to the cocaine mm -hmm. one and it dies. Mm -hmm. If you put a rat in a cage with some friends and you give them like play toys and... I don't know. Basically, you give them uh, relationships, uh, relationships, and a and a playground. <clears throat> yeah, a <clears throat> playground. They actually, even though the the cocaine laced water is available, they don't even drink it. Right, right. And I, I think it relates to what we talked about earlier with addiction. Is that is that you know when you're lonely and you feel disconnected. Right. Um, that's when you turn to the the drugs, whatever mm -hmm. that may be. Well, I don't know. For me, <clears throat> I guess my story is a little bit different. I started, like, in middle school, my cocaine was around, weed was around, alcohol, you could get the, the drug addict on the corner to buy it for you. Mm -hmm. But when I started selling drugs, this is a very crazy story. Mm -hmm. So me and a few, I was probably 14. Me and a few friends of mine, I was living in deep East Oakland, Sobranny Park. And me and a few friends of mine, we were playing dominoes in this garage. And uh, we had a candle because we didn't have a light, a light bulb. So we're back in the garage playing dominoes and directly out the driveway across the street, the houses were all like, they all looked alike. Right? So there's a driveway and then a house. And um, across the street, there were these, <laughs> there were these four cops. They called them the riders. Mm. Um, these are notorious Oakland cops who were, <clears throat> basically dirty cops right. and dirty cops and uh, i think two of them are still on the run <clears throat> so they were selling dope right outside they had their leather jacket and their gold rings watches and cell phones and they left uh, one of the one of my buddies <laughs> grabbed the candle we ran across he ran across the street so we all followed him and then he went we went to the behind their garage and then he grabbed something and he ran back to our garage uh -huh. and closed the garage door. Yeah. And he had a bag full of crack. Yeah. Crack rocks. Yeah. So we started selling crack that we stole from <laughs> the cops, right? Across the street. Across the street, right? Bro. So yeah, it's fucking insane. 
So we had these rocks and the older dude from all of us, he separated, it was four of us. Oh, so everybody yeah. got an equal amount yeah. and we started, go, yeah. pick, go pick a spot, yeah. go pick a spot, pick a corner and this is your corner now. Yeah. So we went from East Oakland, from the deep East Oakland to like the mm -hmm. middle East Oakland part of, of Oakland and uh, we were taking over other people's spots, Yeah. you know, and then, you know, it was- uh, Did you know it was their spots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was kind of dangerous, spots. right? Bro, it took me a few years to realize, like, dude, I could have been murdered. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck was wrong with me? I was going to other people's yeah. spots yeah. selling dope on their spots. Well, that's the, well, that's the thing about stuff like that. It's like, it's it's more exhilarating when it's dangerous, right, right? And you're like, damn, I got away with it, right? Like. Boom, you're getting that huge dopamine hit. Like, right. Like, dude, that, I should not be here right now. <laughs> of all the corners I could be standing on, I'm on somebody else's corner. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how it started. You know, and I would sell out, go get some more. Sell out, go get some Where more. Where are you getting more from? Different dealers. Okay. So dealers. That, that's how you're saying that that's how the habit formed. That's right. how you got into it. Like, when I first started selling dope, I didn't have to save money to go buy some from somebody. Yeah. You just stole it from the cops. Yeah. And that's what got, I mean. Only I, once though, right? That first that's time. It, that's yeah. it. That's all I needed. I had 300 bucks right there to get myself started into the dope game. Yeah. Like free, free yeah. 300 bucks. And uh, back in the 90s, that was, yeah. that's a good start. You know, that was a good start. I was going to Richmond. I was going to San Francisco, all parts of the city, Portrero Hill, mm. all over on somebody else's fucking spot. And I was 13, 14 years old. Wow. It was me and another dude. Wow. Or me, 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 me and two dudes, you know? Yeah. We were kids. We were fucking kids. Like, how many times we could have been murdered for yeah. fucking stepping on somebody's toes? Yeah. It was, man, it was too many times. Yeah. And I got, let me, let me try this shit. Well, I started smoking. When I would smoke it, I would smoke it with weed. Mm. Right. So I would roll me a joint and I would sprinkle it on my weed. Yeah. And I, I was hooked for like from the age of seventeen mm. to the age of twenty-seven. Mm. But you said you were you were thir years. you were thirteen. Oh, so you said for four years you were just dealing, but you never yeah, yeah. you never tried it for four nah, years. Nah. I mean, we did cocaine, a little bit, a little bit. snorted here and there. Yeah. I mean, I was, I knew it was bad. Yeah. I knew, and then I was like, wait, somebody told me you don't have to smoke it out of a pipe. You could smoke it on your weed. And I was like, what? <laughs> you could smoke weed with this shit? All right, cool. So I was doing it and it was like, it was more of like a recreational yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And then it became a habit. Yeah. Right? It became a bad habit to mm. where I didn't even have friends no more. I didn't even have people that I was going to sell drugs with. It was just like, this is mine. Yeah. Like, this is all mine. I'm yeah. going to get high. <clears throat> and it became a problem. I mean, mm. I was robbing people. I was stealing fucking cars. I was breaking into houses. I was, yeah. I was burning every bridge with every family member, mm. <laughs> right? Just because they yeah. knew I was fucking up. Yeah. They knew what I was doing after a while, like yeah. 10 years. Like, I probably weighed about 120 pounds, yeah. you know, 115 pounds, you know? I was bad. And uh, I would get clean for a while. And then I would try to, like, I would reach my hand out to, like, family members, my brothers, like, hey, let's go to the park and do something, right? I needed to be, I needed some company or yeah, yeah. I'm going to go use again, right? It wasn't yeah. like a threat. I'm threatening anybody. It was like, yeah. I know yeah. that I don't trust myself to be by myself. Yeah, yeah. Reaching out to yeah. family members, yeah. friends. Hey, man, let's go do something, yeah. right? And I kept getting shut down. Yeah, yeah. 
I had burned the bridges already. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they don't trust you. They anymore. don't trust me no yeah. more, right? So I get it, I get it, and then I would fall back down again. And then I'd get myself clean for a while again, and I'd stick my hand out again to try to get some company, and again, I'd get shunned out again. All down. So I finally just one day I just was like, you know what? I'm done, right? I didn't go to rehab or nothing. Mm. I just fucking got up in the morning, smoked some weed, just straight weed, and ate and went to sleep. Wake up, ate, smoke mm. some weed, go back to sleep. So I did that for like a few days because I know that if I was awake, there was that little demon in my ear, like, come on, let's go get some of this other mm. shit, right? And I was like, nope, that ain't gonna happen. So I just eat, go to sleep. Get up, get high, eat, go to sleep. Get up, get high, eat. I did it for like a week until I finally, the urge was, it wasn't completely gone, but it was manageable now to where I know I can do some other stuff. I can go run instead of do drugs. I can go hmm. do something else instead of do drugs. So it it's possible. Yeah. Anybody, if you wanna break some addiction, it's possible. You just have to find ways to ignore the urge or to suppress the urge mm -hmm. or to counter that urge. Yeah. For me, falling asleep, being asleep, worked like a charm. Wow. You know? Because if I'm awake, I'm telling you that fucking voice yeah. was loud and clear. Like, yeah. let's go, let's go. And I was like, man, the the long the, the road yeah. for that type of lifestyle is not a long road. What, the addicted lifestyle? Yeah. It's a very short road. Especially that type of, I mean, I robbed drug dealers before yeah. to get high, you know. Um, I've done some shit that will probably get you killed, mm. you know, just to get high, you yeah. know. It's like, fuck. Yeah, it's crazy shit. Wow. But now jujitsu is my drug. <laughs> you know, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I got to live that life because yeah. it makes me value life more. I've been to jail quite a few times, you know. Um, it makes me appreciate doing laundry, folding my own clothes, you know, putting all the blankets on my bed, you know. I make my bed every morning when I wake up mm. because I appreciate that I have this comfortable thing to sleep on. Mm. You know, I slept in a van for a while. You know, I slept in the backseat of a car for a while. That shit is not comfortable. You find a way to make it all right. <laughs> I've slept, in, I've slept in my van a few times. That shit is not yeah. as good as sleeping in a bed, right? I take a bed any day over a van, right? Thanks for sharing, man. These are no man. I got a lot of stories, and, and that's why I'm glad that I'm able to to share some of it with you to let you know, like, and other people know that. I mean, we all go through some hardship. We're all gonna go through hardship. Life is not meant to be easy, you know. Mm. You just have to forge yourself to be able to deal with what life throws at you, whether it's a career change, whether it's a relationship situation, whether it's even family members. Like, you know, people grow up, they grow apart. Doesn't mean you have to hate somebody. You still love them. You still let them know you're still here because, you know, life is not promised to anybody. I've lost a lot of friends for gangs or violence or drugs or all kind of shit. But there's a few of us still here, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that some of the lessons that we learned back in the 80s and the 90s, um, 
most people, I'm thankful that I'm able to carry them mm. up to this generation. You know, you're saying that you they live on through you. Is that what you're saying? Some of the some of the shit that they've taught me, the people who are no longer there or no longer here, some of the lessons they've taught me, I can just bring them forward and, and you know bring them with me to to share with people like you or mm. other people at the gym or mm. my coworkers because I mean that's how that's how we adapt and evolve is by learning from our experiences and you can learn from other people's experiences you know? yeah um i was a firm believer i think i still am that we don't always have to learn the hard way mm. you know some lessons you do you got to get your heart broken you have to as part of living mm-hmm. you, when you get into a relationship with somebody Get your fucking heart broken so you can know what it feels like. Right. It hurts like a motherfucker, right? You're like, dude, I can't believe I'm alive and I'm feeling this shit right now. Right? It's like, it's important to feel that. Because when the next time comes around, you'll know, you know. But there's some lessons that you don't have to learn the hard way. You know, you can just read a book, watch Mm -hmm. a movie, listen to a podcast, listen to a story from a friend. Yeah. And somehow it will relate to something it might not relate to you at that moment but mm-hmm. when something happens in your life and you're like oh shit i remember he said this to me all right that's what he was talking about all right all right yeah so who 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 in your life i guess um kind of came came to you at a well who was, who was one of these people that kind of taught you something that, that changed your trajectory a little bit or, hmm. You know, I don't, I don't really, I can't think of anyone that, other than that relationship that I had, you know, mm. um, because I told her, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. I was going to school to be a teacher mm. and a musician. Mm. I was practicing music about violin drums, guitars, everything. I had all the instruments, I had everything. So I was playing with them and I was actively going to school for teaching. <clears throat> and when she left, I still kept on that same path. Okay. Right. So she helped me stay true to my work. Just because our dreams aren't going to happen doesn't mean that my dreams aren't going to happen. Mm. You you left. My dreams are still going to happen. Yeah. But one of the more influential people in my life was Mike, my, my jujitsu coach. You know, he just, I can't say of anything specifically that he told me or he said to me, but he did give me the environment and the community to help me figure myself out. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense in the sense that. Um, sometimes we need to provide people with the space and the opportunity to figure it out themselves. And a lot of people don't get those spaces. Right. right. Um, you know. I, I don't know where my life would be if I wasn't trained jujitsu. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the mentality, the compassion, the confidence, the patience, the 
all the things that come with jujitsu, that learning jujitsu and being on the mats with these people have just completely changed me into a different person. I can I would never imagine I would be who I am right now. Um, I feel like I'm a thousand times more me. Hmm. Like it's giving me the ability to not be afraid to express myself. Hmm. You know, in jujitsu, yeah, I express myself yeah. in so many different ways. It's an art. To yeah, me. it's not yeah. me trying to yeah. kick your ass. Or you trying to kick my ass? It's like what? I wonder what would happen if I if I put my foot over there instead of over here, right? <clears throat> and you. You're like, wait, why would he put his leg over there instead of over here? <laughs> right? yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. But I'm expressing myself, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm giving you a different look. Yeah. And you're like, wait, wait, this, this, this is different. <laughs> now I got to try something yeah. different now. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, so, you see, you really see people's personalities come out 100%. when they do jujitsu. And, um, 100%. yeah, I don't think most people know that. <laughs> like, like, you really see people are yeah. when they do jujitsu. Yeah. There's no bullshitting in jujitsu. There's no lying. There's no faking the funk. There's no, yeah. I'm just playing. No, we we, we want to see what you're doing. You know what I mean? Are you really a, a brown belt? Let's find out. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you, I mean, you can tell a lot about people in the sense that you see how much people's ego is involved. Mm -hmm. How scared are they? Mm -hmm. Like, do they, um, you know, are they... Are they super aggressive? Are they like so mad at themselves when they tap? Right. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen guys where I had to actually tell a guy last week too. I had him in this mean calf slicer. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I had my forearm right behind his calf and I'm squeezing, I'm squeezing, I'm squeezing. He's going after my foot too. He's going after an ankle lock. Yeah. And I'm looking at him and, I, and I'm, I never want to hurt my training partner. Yeah. So I always slowly finish my submission yeah and i got to a point where i'm like either this dude's shit's gonna explode or he's gonna tap it doesn't yeah. look like he's gonna tap yeah so i finally just squeezed up on a little bit and he fucking got he tapped yeah and i was like all right don't ever do that shit again yeah i said bro just fucking tap yeah i won't roll with you if you yeah. are not going to play the game fair we're playing the game right yeah. I'm not going to win a trophy for choking you out, right? Yeah. We're just playing the game. We're yeah. playing having a chess match, right? Yeah. Now. And if you don't know how to admit defeat, I'm not going to play with you no more, yeah. right? Because I have no problem. If you got me, you got me. I'm going to tap, yeah. right? Because yeah. I'm going to come back tomorrow yeah. thinking about what you did to me yesterday yeah. and try to figure out how not to let that happen again. Yeah. But I'm not going to fucking yeah. <clears throat> let myself get injured. Yeah. Like, the fuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is... <clears throat> what I was saying earlier about you see who people are, I think like it's because the tap represents something to us. Yeah. And for a lot of people, and, and I, I was like this too, it's like, you know, everyone's got a different reason, but it almost feels like for some people it feels like, oh, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of, right. tired of, of being the guy who gets beaten up. I don't want to be the nail anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so you're just, I'm not going to tap. Right. And you you create this very hard um, ego defense. Yep. And in the long run, it ends up really hurting, hurting you and others. And, um, and, and and here's another aspect of it. You know, you talked about jujitsu being a martial art and, well, an art and it's martial art. But, mm -hmm. 
what happens is people like this who who are so afraid to lose is they can no longer be an artist because mm. they always stick to what they know they're best at because mm. their goal is always to win to win i have to maximize my chances of winning even in practice right and so i think that you don't um you always stick to what you know yeah. and you stick to what you're best at and that's not good for long-term growth no, i see a yeah. lot of that in the gym yeah i see a lot and that's why i always try to make it uh and i that came to me probably at second second or third year i would have the same roles with the same people like i would yeah. i already know what you're gonna do <laughs> and you already know what i'm gonna do right i know your three or four weapons and you know my three or four weapons it's kind of boring <laughs> right so that's when i started realizing like look if I know what you're going to do, it's because you know what I'm going to do. Yeah. But I'm going to try something a little bit different, right? Because this same role shit that we're having yeah. for the past couple of days is just not fun. Yeah. So I'm going to try some different things, give you some different looks, and that's going to force you to do the same. Or yeah. maybe yeah. it might encourage you. It might not force you, but it will encourage you. Like, yeah. He's doing some crazy shit. Rolling Kimuras, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I never seen you do that before. You know, you hit it. Sometimes you hit it. Sometimes you don't, you know. So it's don't be afraid to be creative. And I wouldn't say I have a style in jujitsu. I just I just know a few moves, <laughs> know a few moves, you know, I know how to make you look here while you're supposed to be looking over there, you know. It's fucking, it's part of the game. It's just, I'm always laughing. While I'm rolling, I'm laughing. I'm fucking, yeah. it's so much fun. I can't wait to get back on the mats. Yeah, and that's, um, like I said, you, you learn a lot about people through how they how they roll. And I feel like this this kind of saying, oh, I, I'm laughing while I'm rolling, it's, a, it's analogous to how you look at life. Yeah. Where... You're going through life and you're laughing at, at yeah. all, like all this crazy stuff. Oh, my you're God. Trying to enjoy it. Just, yeah. You know, and, and make art. I guess we're doing this today. Yeah. But <laughs> right. then, you know, there's some people who, who they, they, they come into their roles just like how they come into life. Like, <clears throat> this is a game and I have to win. Yeah. And when you look at life that way, um, it's just not fun. <laughs> nah, nah. It's, um, it's... it's it's, I, I teach the kids in a, this is the only like analogy I can get through to them with because they all play video games. Yeah. And I try to explain to them like, hey, this is going to be hard, just like a video game. You're not going to win all the time, just like a video game. I said, but when it starts getting really hard, that's when you're getting to that next level. Mm. right? And once it gets easy again, that means you made it to that next level. Mm. But remember, it's going to get hard again. And that just means that that next level is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. So you have to gradually get yourself up to those next levels. Yeah. You're not going to beat the game on the first try. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have to respawn a thousand times before you get to that, you know, next level. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I get it. I was like, but you know what's even better is that this is a video game you're playing with your body. <laughs> you get to do it in real life. Yeah. So... I think it gets through to them. Uh, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Do you play Fortnite? No, I don't play video games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even play video games, but I'm using it as an analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. 
you um you mentioned uh some conspiracy theories earlier what which ones do you think are the most compelling and the most important well for me i think one of the crazier ones lately is this this flat earth like mm -hmm. one of the girls well somebody asked me are you a flat earther and i was like i mean i don't really look into the stuff like that yeah. you know but it does seem to be gaining a lot of popularity yeah like flat earth um the conspiracies i can go on about i mean anything the news tells you is a lie <laughs> you know? anything pfizer or moderna John, yeah. anything they tell you they're all lying yeah you know? um I just bought a, I just bought a couple books on on the Pfizer one. I'm mm -hmm. gonna I'm gonna look into it. Um, it's just crazy, man. Look into it. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, <clears throat> the government itself is only existing because we believe that they have the power, and people don't realize that the president he's just a, a human being. I yeah. guess. The IRS guy, he's just a normal human being just like us. Mm -hmm. You know, the policeman, they're just normal people. Yeah. They were all children one day, yeah. you know, and now they're adults. Yeah. But they only have this power because you believe they have this power. Yeah. And if people stop believing that anybody has power over them, yeah. that's when you take your power back. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of live my life that way in the sense of some of the laws I, I don't agree with. Some of these mandates I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. I, I I believe that my moral compass is true. I know the difference between right and wrong. Um, I'm not going to believe any information given to me by anyone mm -hmm. before I do my own research on it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when I hurt my hamstring, mm -hmm. I went and started googling. Yeah, you know, I already know yeah. a little bit of anatomy. You know, yeah. I'm not going to ask somebody for help when I can yeah. look it up myself. Yeah. Right? And then I can believe it myself yeah. or not, you know, yeah. but. Well, that's, but that's what's hard about <clears throat> finding truth in, I mean, it's always been hard, but like, let's say you want to investigate some conspiracy theory. It's like, you're always going to have two sides and you're going to have usually the people who are most powerful are the are ones who control, are, you know, they're the winning side. They control yeah. the information. Yeah. And not only they control the information, but well, yeah, they control the information so that all most of the population just believes what they hear first. Yeah. And once everybody believes that thing, it's very costly to even try to believe the other thing. So, you know, that's what they I'm, become that's really rigid in their beliefs. Yeah. And, and again, I, I there's some people that are that way. I know them. There's some of my training partners. I love them. I respect them. But I'm not. I'm not going to try to change your mind. If you are steadfast believing in what you believe, even though I know it's wrong, <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. To me, your friendship is worth more to me than me trying to prove that I'm right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But because I love you and I care about you, I'm at least tell you, hey, man, just be careful. You know, but you're not going to get me sucked into that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know the truth, motherfucker. But uh, one of the other conspiracies, like 9-11, I've been watching a lot of those videos lately, and uh -huh. it's like, where's the second plane? No plane hits the second building. There's people on the ground level, they're showing videos of the building exploding, mm -hmm. but there's no plane. Mm -hmm. But when you go to, like, the CNN footage, they have a plane that's going mm -hmm. into the building. And I'm like, well, wait, wait, did they edit that shit into there? <laughs> like, yeah. <clears throat> but it's crazy nowadays, because 
I see videos from people in Brazil, Mexico, and all these fucking third world countries, other countries. They have like a UF, an alien yeah. crawling in their backyard. It's kind of grainy footage and shit. I'm like, well, that's Photoshop. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like Sometimes they, you can tell. Sometimes you can some, tell. Yeah, yeah sometimes a lot of you can tell. tell. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, dude, even if it looks, because I've seen some videos of UFOs that look super believable. Yeah, I've seen And I'm like, bro, there's no way that's real, bro. Like, come on. So you don't believe in, in UFOs, <clears throat> aliens, or what, 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 to what extent? You, you know what? You ever, you ever watched the movie The Truman Show? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a long time ago. That yeah. movie really opened up my eyes because mm. I was like, there are people that pay a lot of money or paid a lot of money to make sure that we don't find out about certain shit. Yes. Right. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, if it's not affecting my life on a day to day basis, yeah. what can I do over it? You know, yeah. there's only things in my life that I have control over. There's yeah. so many things and I have to make sure that I maintain my, um, interaction with those things mm -hmm. because if i start losing control off of one thing you know yeah. the whole thing starts falling apart yeah. so the things that i do have control over like what i eat you know yeah. go to work get to class my paintings yeah. or my graphic design whatever i can control those things but some of those other things i just i try to stay away from yeah. um i do firearms training you know i do have food and supplies in case of an earthquake or mm -hmm. any type of natural mm -hmm. disaster because like i said when the pandemic hit that turned everybody's life off you know i mean you couldn't plan it for some shit like that yeah you could be ready you could be prepared you know if the power grid shuts down you have electricity yeah you know if if you uh have you have canned food to survive for a while you know you have a place to go if you need to go do you have weapons to protect yourself mm -hmm. if you need to um so I just keep myself grounded and then prepared, you know, ready, prepared for the worst, but always aware of how good life is mm -hmm. right now, because it can change in, in an instant. Look what happened. You remember Hurricane Katrina, you know, they were sending people out there to kill black people, you know, or looters or whatever you want to call them. There were people out there that they were sending snipers to kill people. They were going door to door to take people's guns from them so they can't defend themselves. Fuck that. That shit ain't gonna happen to me. No, 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 no. You know, so it's just, you know, we're getting closer and closer to some shit jumping off with this presidential election coming up next. And it's just mm -hmm. like the riots are gonna start soon, I think. It's almost it's almost riot season. <laughs> Get your riot shoes. Yeah. So and that's why I was recommending to you, you know, get your gun license, get you a, even a shotgun for home, mm -hmm. you know, just something to protect yourself. You ain't even got to shoot the You just got to shoot it and let them know, hey, I'm defending myself. Mm -hmm. Most people will get the fuck out of there. But I heard it. I heard it's it's kind of hard to get a gun in California, though. No? <clears throat> it's it's reasonably difficult. I would say that um, it's easier. It was a, I'd say it was a little bit harder for me because growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in, mm -hmm. the, the person that I who I was back mm -hmm. then, I could have easily thrown away my Second Amendment rights. Yeah. I could have easily just thrown it all away. 
but surviving all that shit and not getting a felony yeah that's probably the hardest thing there is to do to get your gun license avoiding getting a felony once you get once you're clear off of that you got to get your uh id you gotta have a background check and you gotta have a license to buy a gun in california Mm -hmm. and a, a license is like 35 bucks it's a 30 questions um they're like multiple choice questions they're basically common sense questions um and then you have to wait 10 days so you come to buy a gun you can put your money down you give them a copy of your id and your, your gun license and then that day is the day after is when the 10-day waiting period starts during those 10 days the department of justice is going doing a background check they want to make sure you've never been uh, convicted of a violent crime i want to make sure you don't have any restraining orders on you i want to make sure you've never been admitted to like a mental facility or something mm-hmm. you know a mental hospital um and if you check those boxes mm-hmm. you're a gun owner you know oh, so it doesn't sound that hard actually it's, it's not it's mm-hmm. really not that hard but buying a car is easier and a car is just as dangerous as, as a gun, you know? You got a bunch of people driving cars who have no fucking idea <laughs> what the fuck they're doing, you know what I mean? Yeah, but so, the car but the car has different different use cases. Right. The car, people need it to get to work, they need it to get to the store. Right. Gun, to driving is a privilege. Driving is a privilege. Driving is not yeah, a right. It's not. But I, I do think that the gun, there are a lot of gun owners legal gun owners i see them on youtube and instagram that are just make they make other people look bad they make the people like me so i'm not out making stupid videos yeah, shoot, yeah. drinking the beer and shooting my gun you yeah. know that's like first of all you're not supposed to be drinking while you're shooting yeah <laughs> you know second of all you're shooting at the water if you look at the book it says do not shoot at water and you're doing three fucking things mm-hmm. right <clears throat> so i mean i i'm against that type of idiotic behavior but i think it is your right to have a gun and you should be able to defend yourself mm-hmm. especially in today's times yeah well i mean you said earlier i think it sounded like you you prefer a smaller government less control over your life but you know do you feel like the government has some good purposes I think they used to mm-hmm. back in the 80s and the 90s they might have had purpose but now I think it's just all power and control it's just, yeah well it's always about power and control but but if you if I think you it's move, just gotten too big yeah I think it's gotten way too big I mean some of the food that you find in I, I never imagined in, there would be such things called beyond beef yeah like it's lab grown meat mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I never imagined that Hey, where'd you get that meat from? We made it mm-hmm. <laughs> from a cow. No, we just made it out of some other shit. Like, mm-hmm. I never imagined stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then that's that type of stuff is being put on the markets in the supermarkets because yeah. the FDA is approving it. Yeah, FDA well, is a government. Well, agency. the thing though is that if you if you didn't have a government, then anybody could make what they want and put it on the market, right? Yeah. So so the FDA. So well, that's the thing, right? Is that it's always going to be about power and control. But somebody's always going to have that power and control. Somebody. Whoever has the biggest guns, yeah, 
right? And so it's all about who you trust. Right. And unfortunately, in a lot of other countries, the people are even more corrupt. Look, like US cops are corrupt. Like, right. come on. But we try to hide it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we do. I mean, of course, everyone tries to hide it, right? Well, we, other governments. Well, you're right. They don't hide it. it. Yeah, you're right. They're like, look at we, us. We hide it better. Yeah. But, but, well, that's the thing. It's so bad in other countries that they don't even have to try to hide it. But the point is that we're, we're privileged in America because we've, we've built our wealth off the backs of poor countries. Poor people, yeah. Poor people in poor countries. And so we kind of, people aren't, always fighting for their life they're um you know we have less less immediate like survival concerns which i think lets people right which lets people be a little bit a little bit more comfortable and not as not as much crime and, and whatnot but in all i'm trying to say is that um you know in other govern in other countries they have to trust governments that are much worse and and if you don't have governments like you know some some countries in africa like you know who runs the city it's like the lo- the warlords the in the warlords, area right yeah. it's always whoever's got the biggest guns yeah and so in america what we have is like we have like like you said this super huge government that controls everything yeah and you better hope that you don't get some really evil people running that thing I think the the founding fathers of America did a good job of of the United States did a good job of creating a system that balanced the powers a bit better than other systems. Yeah. And so I think one of the the key differences in America is that the executive government, meaning like the president, mm-hmm. has less power over the military than a lot of other countries. Right. And in 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 on like de jure, like on the paper, the president is the commander in chief. Like he can he can send the nukes, he can control the army. Right. But in practice, mi- the people in the military are loyal to their generals. Yeah, they're loyal to the people who really they know. Like this Give guy deserved it. This guy has honor. He's got discipline. He's got integrity. Yeah. In other countries, it's not so simple. Like you have some new guy take over the government, and he just controls the army. That's and, it. Yeah. You do what he says. You gotta do what he says. Yeah. Yeah. So there's too much coupling between the executive government and the military, let's say like North Korea or China or things like that. So, right. Yeah. You know, I'm thankful to be living in this country. Yeah, I think about living in other countries. I mean, like some of the shit we've said on this podcast could probably get you killed. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't have this right in another country. Yeah. I think a lot of people seem to forget that. Yeah, um, definitely. We really have it good here. It's really hard. It's really hard and it's really easy to fail out here because we have it so good. Yeah. Like the possibilities for anyone here are endless. You can either rise to the top or just yeah. fall all the way to the yeah. bottom yeah. and anything in between, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like That's true. Me, myself personally, I like, I live humbly. You know, I don't live be- beyond my means and I drive a 42 year old car, you know? I live five minutes from my job. I, I work. You know, it's a retail, basically. I'm a merchandiser. Yeah. I get to teach kids, you know, and I eat home cooked meals. You know, it yeah. doesn't take a lot to find peace and happiness. You yeah. know, uh, sometimes, like I say, laundry is like therapy. Sometimes, like yeah. just being able to, I got fucking fifty rash guards. You know, 
I gotta fold each one up. I'm like, ah. or I could just be like, damn, I'm gonna wear this shit on Wednesday. You know what I mean? You can look at it like you said, yeah, it's right, the yeah. pers- perspective. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. have you? Oh, have you? Ah, you, uh, you don't watch that many movies, do you? I have. The last movie I watched was uh, Idiocracy. I heard that's so one? good. No, oh no, people God. have been telling me to watch it since middle school. I, I gotta watch it's it. It's on YouTube. It's, so funny. it's free on YouTube. Okay. That's oh my god, bro! You'd be like, wow. It's see, and the movie's like twenty something years old. Yeah. I think. ahead of its time. Yeah. It's it's a lot relatable to how yeah. times are today. It's so bonkers. It's a complete circus. Yeah. Yeah. All I was gonna say was that, you know, you talk about the joy of doing laundry, and there's this movie that I really love that I've been watching scenes from called everything everywhere all at once i've seen the preview to that I've yeah it's a good movie, movie. You, should, you should watch it it's about the multiverse it's, it's won some awards too I a heard. lot of awards yeah, yeah. and the, like asian cast and whatnot but like um you know there, there's this couple they're they're about to get divorced and um the main character the protagonist she she gets access to the multiverse Oh shit! So she gets to see all the lives that she could have oh, lived shit. with her potential, like one where she's like a martial arts wow. star, one where she's, um, you know, like a musician. There's one she's like, um, I don't know. She can she can fight. She can. Dude, I haven't watched it in a while. Actually, I'm trying to. The point is that. It's a movie, or is it like a it's, series? It's a movie. It's okay. a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, she's like a secret agent in one or something. I don't know. Wow. But she, I mean, she's got, she, basically the point is that like she has all these skills and all these different lives because we all have potential yeah. if we had gone a different path. Right. And so she gets access to all of this. But the point is that, um, you know, once she starts seeing her other potential lives where she's like in one, in one universe, she's a movie star, she starts going like, damn, I'm like stuck in this life where she runs a laundromat. Oh, shit. With like kind of like a kind of like a beta asian husband who's just like a nice guy and push over push over um you know he's like whatever he's like a pushover kind of nerdy whatever and and but the point is that um he you know by the end of the film she he, the husband the husband in a different universe where they're not together because she decided not to run away with him and listen to her parents instead to like probably find someone better or something like that because mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't rich or talented right, right. you know they, they lived a poor life in the current universe he says that in another life i would have been happy just doing laundry and taxes with you because <laughs> because in the current life they're all, like all her life is just about doing laundry and doing taxes it's right mon- it's mundane <clears throat> right and when she when she starts seeing her other lives she starts going like all exciting this, and- yeah it's exciting it's yeah dynamic and it's wow you know but then she's like she starts to not she starts to hate even more the life that she lives she's busy right. she's doing all this like mundane crap but i think what you said is really important is that we can find joy and peace in doing things like laundry. Yeah. I mean, shit. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you? I mean, it's it's being able to have clothes. I think I got that from being in jail. Mm-hmm. Being in jail, you're wearing someone else's clothes. Yeah. You're you're wearing someone else's underwear. You're wearing someone else's socks. You, know, you mean because someone used it before you yeah. or, or you yeah. guys share? No, it's all it's all some somebody else. Yeah, it's been there in the jail for 
who knows how long, uh-huh. you know, and you just happen to be your size, right? Uh-huh. Somebody else wore them before you, uh-huh. you know, five I people never even wore thought them about before that. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's all someone t-shirt, yeah. the same t-shirt that somebody's wore that three or four times, yeah. four or five different people have wore that. Yeah. And, um, you, they do your laundry in there and the laundry fucking soaps. I don't even know if they use soap, but it fucking stinks. It fucking stinks when you pull it out. It doesn't smell like it did before you took it off when you wore it, but it it just smells like a little bit cleaner. But it's like, <laughs> it doesn't smell clean. But when you do your own laundry, you know, you, for me, I just, I, I, I just get grateful. Like, damn, you know, I, I guess I have so much training gear. Most of my laundry is training gear anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm thankful that I get to do it because I want to make sure my shit's clean. That's one of the reasons why people love me in the gym too, because I never stink. I always fucking smell good, right? Yeah. I, because I respect my training partners, yeah. right? And because if I have to sit on your fucking face, I don't want it to smell like shit. Because I might have to sit on your face to get that Kimura, right? <laughs> and I want to be confident in my Kimura when I sit on your face. But um, for me, it's like I get to be clean and it, and it helps bring a, a sense of ease to your training partner. Right, yeah. because if you fuck, I'm, I have told I people before, like, hey, bro, this fucking rash guard stinks, bro. Yeah. I bought people rash guards because I want to train with you, but not in that fucking rash guard. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna get you a rash guard. Here, buy you a rash guard. Take care of that shit. When that rash guard starts stinking, I'm not training with you no more. Those are the two reasons I won't train with someone. Is because one is if you stink. Yeah. Two is if you won't tap. Yeah. If you're egotistical and you won't tap, I don't need to be training with you. Yeah. You know, because one of us is gonna get hurt. Yeah. And I'm cool. I'm gonna come back. Yeah. But laundry, it's really important that I mean I take that shit is expensive. Rash guards are not fucking yeah, cheap, yeah. you know. And that's one of my addictions. Like I tell literally have about fifty or sixty rash guards. Uh-huh. You know, and I only wear about 15 of them, right? <laughs> Some of them I just have because like, damn, these They're are cool. so dope. Yeah. yeah. Like I got, this school doesn't even exist anymore. I got one from 10th Planet Long Beach. They're the collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. And they burned down during the pandemic, during 2020. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So I fucking got one of their rash cards. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm keeping this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, that's my healthy addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was backtracking a bit. You know, you talked about, um, how people in America take for granted their rights. And I I worked in a refugee camp for about a month back in 2017 in Greece. And so what happened wow. was there was a there was a couple of refugee crises going on. The most famous of them was Syria. Yeah, yeah. Syrian refugee crisis. Uh I think there was there's was a war going on there and a lot of people were fleeing, but then yeah. also when I got to the camp, so I thought I was going to like be seeing all these Muslims and Syrians. I got to the camp and th- there was that, but there was the other half was all these African people. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I didn't know there's all these people fleeing Africa because, you know, we don't really put them on the news. Right. Uh, no one cares because it's always like that. So, but anyway, I, I met this, I befriended this guy from the Congo and, um, Maybe I'll have him on the podcast one one of these days. Oh, I'm sure he's got some stories. He's got stories, man. Yeah. But um, actually, I was just talking yesterday. But but 
his dad was a on the political party opposing the current people in power the, mm. and he's in the congo you know and um you know they're having i guess meetings and whatnot but i don't know the the full story his english wasn't so good back then but his his dad i think had written some was like a journalist and had written some stuff about negative stuff about the current administration maybe it was either the current administration current party or maybe someone who was running i think it was the current whatever it was the current party in power i think is how it was and so you know there's just one day that there's there's people at people at his door and i can't remember if they kind of came back a, a subsequent day but it was either the first or the second time they knocked on the door they asked for his dad or something his dad told them to go i don't know hide or be somewhere else but i think my friend he, he knew something was up yeah kind of was trying to protect his dad a little bit but anyway they they broke in the masked masked men they uh executed his his, his dad Damn. right there and i think his mom too but i, I can't I, I, his mom's not alive so I, I think that's what happened and then they they raped his sister jesus and um and you know eventually he fled to uh syria to, to well to greece so for, well eventually they made it to turkey yeah and then they have to cross the mediterranean on these yeah. on these rafts to the island we were at was called lesbos um but so he you know he was he was there by himself in in greece um other congolese people were fleeing too but his sister they they relocated her to some other place in in congo gave her a new identity but um, yeah. but damn yeah like you know they're just like you know he uh you know he had to well i mean i guess luckily they didn't kill him but um yeah but the point is that free speech is what you're talking about is that like hey man people i'll talk about how you know twitter censoring their their free speech and that is true to some extent like you know these these platforms are censoring free speech to some extent the schools and the, the companies are yeah which is what and this is why we need to fight for free speech so much yeah yeah but you know in other countries yeah it's like you speak out against the leader and you might not see tomorrow you're, you're just done so yeah but that's one of the things i learned through that experience is that wow in America, we have, and, and a lot of these other countries, um, we have freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Yep. And these other, like, and then I started to kind of be more grateful of the fact that, you know, we get to watch, like, Conan O'Brien or Whenever we, Jay Leno, yeah. and they make fun of they Trump. They make fun of the president. They make, oh, they, oh, that's like a, like a kind of a American cultural tradition is, like, roasting the president. Roast the president, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and I love that. Um and other countries, these these powerful men are so insecure. You know, you you make you say one wrong yeah, you thing. make a little joke about them, and they're they're gonna send people to your house over for you. Yeah. yeah. So. No, yeah, and that's one of the things I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. Is um, and I talked to my coach about this the other days. I want to do like some videos. I'm just thinking about doing videos of highlighting how good we have it in the United States. All our rights and all our freedoms, right? We all have mm -hmm. the freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, Third Amendment, for all, all these different rights that we have. Yeah. 
but nobody really knows what those rights mm. mean, yeah. right? And the second thing is nobody really cares to look at what responsibilities mm. come with those rights. Because, yeah, you have the right to tell somebody to go fuck themselves, yeah. right? But there are consequences to doing that, mm. right? They might turn around and bust you in your mouth, yeah. right? So <clears throat> there's ways, there's a, a responsibilities that come with these rights. And I was thinking, I'm, and I'm going to start doing some writing, all the rights that we have, attaching some responsibilities to each of those rights and explaining to these people, to everyone. Yeah. You have the right to have as many kids as you want. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't mean you have to go have five or six yeah. or seven of them. Yeah. Right. What good what good is one? What good is our five if you can't take care of one? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's your right to do that. But mm. what is the, what is uh what are the possible outcomes about any of those kids? You know? Yeah. You're not you there's responsibilities there. You know? I see. Yeah. <clears throat> Same thing with driving cars. With I mean, rights and account um, uh, um, privileges, but there are responsibilities. There has to be responsibilities with all of these things that we are able to do. You know, mm -hmm. self control. Nobody has that anymore. I can go to the bar and have a drink. I don't have to have six or seven of them. You just have one drink. Right, you're allowed to go have a drink, but don't get fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, know there's a limit, you know. Mm. But I'm still working out some of the kinks on it. But something that I'm, I've been thinking, it's been in the back of my mind for a few weeks now. It's like, yeah, we, we have rights, but I even gun ownership. Like, yeah, you're a gun owner, a responsible gun owner. You went through the background check. You got your guns legally. Now, don't fuck that up for the rest of us, right? Mm -hmm. Don't do something stupid. Now you make yeah. all the rest of us look stupid. Now, yeah, you yeah. Know? But um, just some ideas. Yeah. Well, yeah. These are topics for another time. I mean, I, I would love to <clears throat> do this again with you. I just love the conversations. Man, you, you've led an amazing life. You come out the other side, like, I think doing the right thing, the yeah. right perspective. Glad that you survived and me too that, shit. that met you and um anyway we'll talk again cool thank you so much angel thank you brother i appreciate you oh shit tune in next time <laughs>